Sensibly Speaking Podcast. This is Chris Shelton, the critical thinker at large, coming at you for another episode of Podcasting Greatness uh, here on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and with video here on YouTube. And as I understand it, the podcast has kind of spread out to other places, and I even heard it's on iHeartRadio, which is kind of cool. So maybe you can find it elsewhere, but those are the platforms I know for sure that I am broadcasting to. That all being said, welcome to our first show of the new year, if you count my live stream as sort of an in-between episode. And um, this one, we are going to be talking about um, Landmark and the Forum, or Landmark Forum, or Est, or Landmark Forum Est, or whatever. We're going to talk about all of it. We're going to be finally addressing this particular topic. And with me to talk about this, I have a wonderful woman who is currently down in Melbourne, Australia, who was involved with Landmark from 96 to 2002. And yes, that's a while ago, but like Scientology, these groups tend to have a core set of values and a core DNA to them as to what they are about and what they're trying to accomplish. And um, and the and the forum and landmark forum or you know they, they, it has different words we'll we'll parse through some of that with Dale, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna go through her whole story with this and finally figure out is this cult is it cult light is it kind of a cult what what are we dealing with when we're talking about landmark forum, so Dale hi welcome to my show. Hey Chris, great to be part of it. Thank you so much. Um, hearing your introduction, it's like, wow, I've heard it so many times on YouTube, and now I'm finally part of it. It's really <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, I've listened to a lot of um, your work. It's really helped me make sense of what happened because <laughs> there's really nowhere to go with this. There's so many people that are involved in it and don't want to talk. It, it's kind of just I kept getting the work turned back on me to see where I'd messed up, and I was like, there's no space to really freely share what happened and have some critical conversation about it. Well, let's see what we can do. So um, I'm actually on this particular one, I'm a little neutral right now. I've looked some things up on this. I've looked into what they do. Um, Some of the introductory stuff that they do is fairly sensible, but like Scientology, it has to be. Of course it should be because that's how you sign up for more. It has to work at the beginning. Otherwise, the more advanced levels are never gotten to. And that's, you know, and and in any kind of money operation, you need people rising up to the high levels because that's where the big money is at. So that all being said, and not necessarily trying to assume that it's all evil and must be destroyed. Dale, why don't we go ahead and start with how you started with this? I'm not here to destroy Landmark. Like, I'm really not. If oh, this yeah. Opens, Great. Yeah. If this opens a conversation, I would like to be for people to be able to talk about it and share their experience and have the people that work at Landmark actually hear it because there's no place to do so. So the feedback that keeps it has to be good feedback, you know, and the people that don't have good feedback, just it's like goodbye. So, and I don't. That's not healthy. I I learned so much through my experience at Landmark. Like I'm, I'm a totally different person. I'm going to share some of my history just to give you a sense of why 
how this happened because when I look back, I'm like, that's crazy. How did I let that happen? Um, but, you know, and in preparing for this, I got to see, it's like, well, you know, I was a lost soul just looking for some guidance. And the people that came in were of very similar um kind of at a loss with how to make this human thing work this thing called human that is that communicates it just keeps getting into trouble and messes and why so you know when I first got into Landmark I did have a sense of being at home because I could see that there wasn't really any, there wasn't anything wrong with me which had been fed to me as a little girl that there was something wrong with me so what I plan on doing in this is just giving you some of my history um, and then walking through how I got into Landmark and then what happened on staff, go through some of the content, the statistics, because statistics, it was driven by statistics. Um, and some of the, what I, you know, looking back on it, it was quite weird behaviour. Um, and yeah, and my intent is to connect with people that have had, are questioning what happened and just to have some conversation and to move forward. I really, I want to leave this behind so that I can move forward because it's been troubling me for a long time. I totally get it. Totally get it. And, <laughs> and thanks for clarifying yeah. that, by the way, because... Um, because I try to make a point all the time that we're not out to destroy things here. Mm-hmm. You know, my channel is an educational channel. It's it is it is activism, but it is it is educational activism. It is activism meant to empower other people to take action, more so than I'm sitting here saying this should be destroyed and this should be gone and this should not be in the world. I, you know, there aren't too many things I actually think that about, and I'm glad we're we're at parity on that. So, please, I was. I grew up with a mother that had quite a fixed view on life. First, um, so first off, she, when she was 47, she came home and found her mother dead on the kitchen floor when she came home from work one day. So, you know, total shock. But what she got in her head was she was going to die by the time she was 50. Like there was no way that anything, any other thought could, um, could enter her mind. So she had to teach me and my sister how the world worked. And, of course, it was her interpretation of the world, which was quite messed up. Her stepfather had been molesting her. Her first husband was um, a pedophile. He'd been in jail for molesting young girls. And what she would do was put them in my bedroom to teach me how bad men were. Like, I had to get that through. She had to get that through to me. So that's the environment I grew up in. Oh, my yes. God. Is that, are you saying what I think you're saying? Yes. Oh, my God. I am so sorry that happened to you. Jesus Christ. Chris, you know, it's okay. Wow. This may have me have, this is why I'm giving you the background to see why I ended up where I ended up. Because I didn't have any guidance or, um, for me, adults were just crazy. When I was growing up, they were just crazy. She would get herself, she got herself into a relationship where the guy would beat the crap out of her. I mean, alcoholic, she would be drunk from between two days to a week. I would go to the 
local shop and get beer. Like I couldn't even see over the counter, put the money over the counter with a note from her saying she was sick and she needed beer. So, and then I'd carry six bottles back home um, and she just continued to drink. Um, she got into a relationship where the guy used to beat the crap out of her and she would call me and my sister to come out and watch so we could see how bad men were. Wow. And there was one time I came out and he had a gun to her head and he, um, and I wanted him to pull the trigger. I wanted it to be over. <laughs> you know, and in that moment, I decided I was evil. I was a bad girl for wanting my mother dead. And he pulled the trigger and the gun was empty. And then, then I just had this sense of disappointment. I was like, there's, there's no end to this insanity. But in that moment, I also decided I was leaving as soon as I could. When I was 16, I was out of the house. I had... Um, may, I, may I ask you how old you were when that incident with the gun happened? Nine. I was oh nine. Oh, my God. No, no so one can... should have to have ever lived through anything like that. Well, I didn't know what was normal. I didn't, like, I spent a lot of my life traveling and being spending time in other people's families just to get a sense of what's normal. How does this family thing work? Because I was just, like I said, lost and um, looking for a way to fit into the world because my mother was so disappointed that she had girls. She used to read the Mills and Boons books, you know, the really thick, same story, damsel in distress, knight in shining armor comes and saves her. So excuse me, I just read blow my nose. Um, she would, she just fed through those every day, just all over, over and over and over again. She went to sleep with those books. She was like, it's stuck in them. Um, so it was like my world was that women are useless. There's no point to girls. She wanted a boy. That, that's why I got a boy's name. <laughs> she wanted a boy um, so that when she got older, they could look after her. She wanted sons because girls are just a waste of time. They, they're useless. It's, what do you do with them? They just get married and have children and then she'd have to look after us and after the grandchildren. It's like she had it all planned out. So and that was the environment that I grew up in. You know, and just one other piece that I want to put in because I think it makes sense for later to, more to explain how I got into so deep into Landmark. There was one time that... Um, when this guy was beating her up, I mean, I would have to go and call the police. And the, this one particular time the police came and there were two of them. And one of them took my mother into the bedroom to ask her questions. And then she started screaming from there, like he was trying to rape her. So in my mind, I just like, these adults are insane. And there's no, there was no, authority there was nobody to protect me or to um set me in the right direction I had so one person that did was um I was a marching girl which is you know, just we we're in a team we did formations and things and 
and we, it was from a low socioeconomic area and we were the underdogs. We were just like this scruffy team of people. And this one woman, she built us up into becoming, like within two years, we were the leaders. Um, we had so many medals. So I had one person that um, offered some guidance and she was really strict, really, really strict. And I loved it. I loved that there was somebody to tell me how I could had to be to, you know, to win in life. So I had that one um, one pilot to assist me. So when I was 16, I left. I'd done, um, I was quite good at school. I loved, I had to get out of the house. Like I just wanted to be away from my mother because she would, I bore the brunt of her anger and she was vicious. It was just horrible. So um, I, I have no doubt getting out of there is absolutely <laughs> the right thing to do. Yeah, Man. thank you. Yeah. Yes. So um, I had a friend in um, a different state in Australia, and I'd done a one-year secretarial course, so learning shorthand typing, and I wanted to get a job. You know, one of my teachers told me that I should go to university, and my mom said, "There's no bloody way you're going to university. You get the job. You're going to look after me. You cost me so much money already." So, so just like I was trained, this is the way I was going. Um, so I went to share. Uh, with a friend in a different state. I got myself a job, um, you know, it was like 1,200 kilometres away and started to get my life on track, got into a relationship. But, you know, I started drinking. It was like my way out. It was the only way I knew. The bet, you know, I could drink people up to the table. It was my thing. So I just continued travelling. I went to Europe. I actually, I got on a boat from Perth in the America's Cup and I sailed to the Seychelles. Wow. <laughs> I, I, just, I just wanted to get away. I had to get to the other side of the planet to sort myself out because it's still, I couldn't develop healthy relationships. Um, I was, I didn't, I couldn't talk to, there was nobody that I could talk to. It was only when I did the forum that I could actually say this. You know, there was, it was like nobody could cope with what had happened to me, let alone I couldn't, how could anybody else? So I traveled for um, quite a, an extensive time, spent a lot of time in Germany. And there I had a car accident. Um, I woke up, I was working in bars because drinking was my thing, the way I bonded with people. And one day I woke up and I'd, I was covered in bandages. I'd broken my jaw in three places on the bottom, one on the top. I fractured the C2. Um, my body was covered in bandages. I ended up, I'd broken 14 bones, mostly the left side of my body. My femur was broken vertically. I had so many pins and screws and um, plates to keep my bones intact. Was this a car accident? Yeah. So I was driving and I was drunk. There was nobody else involved. <laughs> so oh. many like so many beautiful things that happened out of it. I was I was sharing a house with a paraplegic and lived next door to a quadriplegic at the time. Wow. And I'd fractured the C2. So when I woke up, doctors were touching my toes to see if I had my sense in my, in my feet. Um, and luckily, like I escaped that with just like, God sent miracles. 
So it had been badly damaged. And during that time, there was no contact. Well, I had two phone calls from my mother. Nobody came from um, Australia to visit me. The people in Germany were just like, what is going on? How can she be so hurt and nobody caring for her? So I had lots of visitors there and lots of support. So then I came to Perth. And um, when when was this? Are we talking about now? About what year are we talking about? That was eighty nine. When the the Berlin Wall came down, I was in hospital. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, so it's kind of lots of significant little things happening. Um. So yeah. So then I came to Perth and got myself in a relationship with somebody who said that I should do the forum because as I was sharing about myself, you know, a mess. Where do you start? <laughs> And he, all he would say was, you should do the forum. And he didn't get plugged in like many people did, you know, the people that gave hints of what had happened to me. And he didn't, he just sat there and said, you should do the forum. I was like, what's that? Um, and he told me the cost. I think at the time it was $395. I don't know what it is now. Um, but he had this way about him that was a little different to anybody else so it did get me intrigued and I did the forum so you thought there was what was it do you think you mentioned there's something different about him I'd like to know a little bit more about that what do you mean he was something different about him well he didn't um have sympathy he didn't he didn't seem to he empathized but in a way that was unfamiliar to me he listened for a start you know, he was a good listener and he said that he wanted to be in a relationship with me, provided I could work with what I, what was going on for me. It's like hey, nobody's spoken to me like that before. It got mm. me curious. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was his way. Um, and he was like totally supportive and adamant that I do this forum thing. He, you know, I had a business at the time. Um, he said that he would, uh, find, I needed to find somebody to live with me. He said he would do that. He was taking care of all these things so I could do this course. So I was like, all right, I'll do it. Yeah. And How long were you said, with, how long have you, had you been with him at this point? Oh, probably only two months or so. It wasn't long. Oh, wow. So he was really kind of take a take charge kind of. Would, would self-aware be a appropriate way to describe him? Yeah. Yeah. Perth, Perth, yeah. Perth is also very much where people escape and try to find themselves. So there's Oh, is lot- it? <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yes. Okay. We yes. yeah, for those who don't know, I've been to Perth because my son grew up there, but I didn't know a whole lot about Perth. We were talking pre-show about it and how how it's kind of Hickville, and I I actually did not even know that because I didn't have anything to compare it to when I was there. So anyway, this just give more about Perth is always fascinating. Yeah, as well. to give you some shape it up a bit. Yeah. Um. So the Sanyasin community, you know, the Orange people, mm-hmm. Osho, yeah, yes. Bhagwan oh, yeah. Sri Rajneesh. Yes. Well, they have got a massive community there, massive. So it's all, yeah, you know, the dynamic meditation. Yeah. Right. And they were setting up businesses. So it was all weird and wonderful um, methodologies. The bodywork techniques were outrageous. Um, 
it's where people really go to explore themselves. <laughs> so this guy, I'll call him PK, he was right into it. Um, I got introduced to all the Osho stuff as well. Um, and, you know, at one time I went to, when I went to the doctors, um, she prescribed me the alchemist. She prescribed me a book. I was like, what? What? So I went, yeah. <laughs> I mean, fine, but really? A, fi a, a fiction book? All right, fine. Yeah, yeah exactly, right. exactly. And then, you know, I'm thinking, um, she put give me medication or something, and she's just like, no. And, and then to go and do some flower and healing or something. So that's wow. perfect. Wow, <laughs> that just that really <laughs> changes my view about that place a little bit. That's really quite interesting. So, okay, so what? So, so you go to this forum. What? What? What happened? Yeah. Well, um, first of all, I was you know, little Miss Prickly. What the hell is going on? Or these people? There were, um, I think, 127 people from memory. Okay, and um, oh, and in, we should. Theater. We should be clear here. So the forum is a three-day right. solid wall-to-wall -wall workshop, right? It's like it's yes. like packed, long days, one, two, three. And I think the way they described it now is it's like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then a and then a brief re, you know revisit on the following Tuesday or something. Is that yeah, how Friday, yours went? Always. So that's the way the forum runs. So okay. it's called the Landmark Forum, mm -hmm. um, and the company's called Landmark Education, was called Landmark Education. And the Landmark Forum is the first course that's offered. So that's, yes, three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, from um, 9 a.m. until completion, whenever completion is. At, at times, <laughs> yeah, I know the language, right? So that at times could have been two or three o'clock in the morning and then back nine o'clock the next day. Um, when it first started as the Earhart Seminar Training or EST, that was two weekends. So they started to shape it. There are changes within the, co the company um, that started to shift and change, um, kind of to work with the more modern dynamics of life. Because two weekends, you know, getting people back and the hard work. Oh, I'm sure they had a huge attrition rate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's, a, that's a big ask to, do two, to commit to two weekends. That's, that's right. Yeah, that is so a they lot. Narrowed it narrowed it down to three three days and one evening, except Israel. So Israel, because of Shabbat, they uh, they were an exception to the rule. And yeah, <laughs> that was the only country in the world. That was the only country in the world could have anything different. So yeah, so three days and one evening. Um, in the beginning, so the first section is to set up who had been pressured. So it's basically the rules, the rules of the course. And that is no drugs. No notes, no photographs, um, keep information private, no names. And um, and then the forum leader would start with, so who's been pressured, to, well, in my particular one, who's been pressured to be here? About 30 people put their hands up, me included, because, you know, this guy PK had just been nagging me to do it. Um, and I didn't see, couldn't find answers, so I just felt myself as pressured. So he went through to ask, to kind of define what pressure was. Um, did they um, say that you had to or there were and there were consequences if you didn't? 
and then some of the people put their hand down. So gradually he weaned through to determine what exactly pressure was. So there was this one young girl who kept her hand up. She's like, nah, my parents pressured me to be here. They told me I couldn't get my any pocket money if I didn't do it. They laid down the law. So there was this interaction that happened. She's standing there, she's got her arms crossed, she's like toe tapping, nose up in the air. And during the conversation, she started to melt a little bit as he, the questions that he asked, she started to really have to think. She wasn't spitting the answers back anymore. She started to think. And there was a point, it's like, it seemed like somebody walked through with a mirror and I could see myself standing there with my mum, like, yeah, what do you want to know? Yeah, you're just a oh, busy, busy old lady. Yeah. And I could see myself. So I got a picture of me. I'd never seen me before. And I was looking around. I was thinking there's, there were people with a mirror. I am sure. I was looking around to see where this big mirror was. Um, and in that moment, so I started to, like, listen. Like, I had... I really started to listen, like, what's going on? There's some kind of magic here. And this guy at the front, this landmark forum leader, um, he's doing something to people. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to find out. And so during the course of three days, I contacted my father, and I had never, I hadn't had any contact with him. I found him. I called my mum and I apologised for how I was being with her. I'm like, I've been such a bitch with you. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Right. Wow. I'm, I'm just yeah. sitting here like after everything we just heard, my mouth That's is just right. like, what? You're apologizing to her? That's but right. So, but okay, let's see what happens. So what happens? So, That's yeah, right. So, That's okay. what I mean. This is something happened to me. Yeah. So because I got a picture of myself, I'd never seen myself. It had always been the finger had been on what's wrong out there, what's going on out there. Yeah. So this first view of myself was, transformational I it was like I was under a spell um and I got really interested to learn more and so during the course of these three days I called my mom called my dad um but there was this guy that started and he at the beginning of the course he stood up and he was just like stuttering he was really nervous and people were shifting in their chairs like oh my god you know we should stop talking and the foreign leader just said stop everybody and listen to what this guy has to say and I was just like hmm kind of like why and he, little miss ignorant I was like what does somebody you know thinking my mind process what does somebody that's stuttering what could be so important and it wasn't what he said, but during the course of the three days, he stood up at the end and he spoke so clearly because he'd been given the space and the recognition and been acknowledged his um, whatever had prevented him being so nervous from speaking. He cleared through stuff and I was just like, I don't know what's in this stuff, but I want more. So I, Can I, I let me interrupt you for a moment because I'm dying of curiosity to know what happened when you called your mom and your dad. Um, well, my mom said, Yeah, you're a bitch. <laughs> right. She's like, Yeah, good to see you finally know you're such a bitch. Um, and my dad was, you know, in tears, wanting to know 
but you know the whole point of landmark was to get them to the evening session or to an introduction so that was my agenda okay so so there is an so there is an added thing on that then it's not just call them and apologize it's call them apologize and ask them to come well, in the beginning, it's calling and apologize, and then through the three days, it's invite them to the to the oh, okay. to an introduction. Right. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. The, so that was. I just thought if they did the forum, everything would be fixed. Right. I'd be able to have those kind of conversations that I was experiencing, which were like gold to me. So that was my agenda, and. It wasn't me, it was Landmark that would do it. So I had to get them to Landmark. And that was, you know, 127 people in the room all kind of going through the same thing, all the phones. In the the first um, break, the leader says, so there are phones outside, go and call people, um, clear up if you've seen anything that you need to clear up with them and get in communication. So the process starts from the first break through to um, basically the end of the Tuesday evening, and then it is the advanced course. <laughs> so the advanced course, if you register on the Tuesday evening, there's a $150 discount, so it's normally $900, and you could get it for $750. Wow, what a deal. I better sign up now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh -huh. There it yeah. is. So, there it is. Yeah. So this is you can hear. Like I've been listening to all the um, Scientology, the aftermath. Like, what? No way. Yeah. Right. Then we did that. So it's and something else that you said um, in the beginning was the three days and one evening. Yes, it's the introduction. There's no way anybody can do any work with landmark unless they go through the forum there's no other way you cannot get a job you cannot um, assist you cannot counsel it is the first entry into this organization so the clinical psychologist and the people that say that landmark is not a cult they review the forum so the forum in its essence is like, it's like a little lollipop. They don't review the architecture or do the leadership program for six months, for 26 weeks and four weekends. They're not doing that to make the review. So it comes out the landmark forum is not a cult. And I and I and thank you for bringing that up because I I read an article today in preparation for this from 2003 from a woman who was a reporter for the UK Guardian who went and did the forum specifically writing you know people think this is a cult people talk about this as a cult well I went to check it out and guess what I loved it and she was singing its praises from the three day seminar and I thought. That's exactly like somebody going into Scientology and taking the personality test and finding out something about themselves and then going, what's the problem? This isn't a cult. And you have no idea what you're talking about because you haven't gone all the way into what it's really going on. So please yep. continue. I just wanted to make that point because this is how reporters and media people get fooled is they just take a brief you know, right. skim and they just kind of fly in, look, and then pop right back out again. You know, and... 
Of course the three-day seminar is going to hit you hard and it's going to work. It has to because you're not going to sign up for the $900 course if it doesn't. Or the 26 weeks <laughs> leadership seminar that they really want you to do. So anyway, please carry on. I'm just yeah. doing the and obvious so here. You've just, yeah, you've just touched the door handle. <laughs> Yeah, you haven't opened exactly. the door and you haven't gone in to see the structure and the the foundation of why these people in the back are not getting paid to be there one hour earlier. You know, so we're 9 a.m. until completion two or three. They're there 8 a.m. until four o'clock in the morning and still have to be back there the next day at, at eight. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So um, so then I did the advanced course. And so so I'll go through some of the things in the forum. So um, these things they call, they go through to discuss ways of being. So ways of being sometimes get fixed. So, and that's, you know, what I could relate to. I had a fixed way of being around my mother and that was arms crossed, nose up in the air, up, up in the air. And I didn't have a choice around it. That was just my thrown way. So these fixed ways of being, they say there's three breaks in belonging. One in before 10 years old, the next in the teens, and the next in adulthood. And these fixed ways become rackets. So the assignment was to determine and have a look at your rackets. Okay. And racket, like R-A-C-K-E-T, racket. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. These are your rackets. Yes. Yeah. So it's explained that it's like a little... Um, milk bar or a shop has a nice sweet shop at the front but at the back there's they're selling drugs so you've got a way at the front but then the back there's something going on so you've got to determine that to get more power around it so they say yeah, there's three different ages that these happen so the first day of the forum is spent having a look at those rackets and then the next day is kind of discussing so what did you find out about those rackets who are you in relationship with what fixed way do you have and did you break through it by acknowledging it. So it gets people kind of interested in their, why these particular dynamics, these vicious circles keep happening because if you're in a fixed way, you can't change anything and nothing's ever going to change. And then the other person will have their racket going on. So it's just like st stuff gets stuck. So have a look, having a look first at rackets and then um, they go through, once people have kind of softened up, broken through, had breakthroughs, invited people to the evening session, then have more philosophical kind of life is empty and meaningless and it's empty and meaningless and it's empty and meaningless. Choice, um, ending up with chocolate or vanilla, which one are you going to choose? There's just chocolate, choose it. It's like how do you choose? So causing people to choose what they've got in life rather than, be upset with it and upsets their um, undelivered communications, thwarted intentions. So you get some tools into dismantling ways of being, fixed ways of being. So then people feel empowered to go and challenge, the, take those challenges on, those those really tough cookies in your life. It's like, wow, come on, mom. Now I have a conversation with me. She's just like, what the fuck is going on with you? <laughs> where's my daughter um but i'm like empowered right sock it to me come on abuse me now <laughs> <laughs> mm. um so and then in the evening session so that's you know the three days is those kind of things 
And then the evening session is inviting your friends. They spend um, an hour in the main room um, with all of the guests. So there could be up to three, 400 people in a hotel room, that's at a different venue. So all of these courses are at the landmark office and they're basic, right? There's no distractions. There's two boards at the front, two blackboards, like regimented. Two blackboards, um, there's a little table for the forum leader, the big stool for the forum leader as well. Um, two microphones, sound person at the back, tables with the production team, nothing on the walls, nothing to distract people. Um, what else? And clean, like the chairs are measured, the distance between the chairs, they are like military style. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and the guy on stage, that. the forum leader, he, you mentioned he sits down. Is that throughout the entire weekend he's sitting in a chair? No, 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 no. He's okay, he gets up. sitting down, he's prancing along. The okay, prancing, so he's free to get up and <laughs> walk around. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. He's it like, was just interesting because I noted they had chairs, and I wondered if that was part of the thing or not, is them sitting versus standing. You wouldn't think it would be a big deal, but several <laughs> things like that actually do have an effect on people. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's fully worked out, like yeah. how to engage and um like be fully alert with people, let them know you're on their side and yep. um, sit with them while they're going through all their stuff and crying and tissues and there's the tissues and the production team's down there and they've got microphones coming out and it's all like fine-tuned. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So then the advanced course. Yes. I think I did the advanced course. Um, oh, in the evening session, you also, sorry, in the Sunday evening of the forum, you also get to invite the people that invited you. To, so they can see your transformation. So I invited PK, this guy in relationship. He wanted to be in relationship with me then. Well, I'm like on planet nine. If my world's all going to work, da da da. And so we've all got our friends in there and thanking them for introducing us to the best thing in our lives. And sorry for being so resistant and, you know, making it hard for you to get me here. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Um, so then, yeah, the advanced course. The advanced course is was it's not anymore, but it was four days, and it started at ten a.m. So we had a little later, like didn't have to get there at nine, got there at ten, also until completion. And this is where the new self gets invented. So, having seen the old way, it's like okay, we've shown you your old way. Now, what do you do? Well, how about inventing yourself into a new possibility? So there's examples giving, uh, given of how to be this stepping into your word. So integrity is covered um, also through the forum. One of the themes is integrity, being your word. Imagine being your word to yourself and then to others and what would the world look like? So there's a real inquiry opens up to being. Because Landmark at that point was uh, referenced as an ontological study, ontology being the study of being, right? That's That was a reference point. Interesting. Ontology being a the study, study of, of being. human being. Yes. Huh. Huh. So. The nature of being. Yeah. Okay. It's not a word I'm familiar with. 
the branch of metaphysics dealing with the nature of being is the definition of ontology. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. So given that that was the study, then we could look at who to be in life and to start inventing being. So that in the advanced course, people have breakthroughs in public speaking because that's where people stand up on the stage. So it's also shared in the forum. There's like little tidbits of what to expect in the advanced course. And you have to continue into the curriculum for living. So the curriculum for living had another course on the end of that. Right. So the curriculum for living would be the advanced, the forum and then the advanced course and then this other course. Yeah. The self-expression and, your... and leadership course. Right. So, you so have... there's your progression. Right. That's right. And this is all on the back of a poster. So this is what, what also was in each of the rooms was the post of the curriculum for living. Okay. So that was up on the walls. Yeah, that was up on the walls. Yeah, I forgot but that. But nothing so else. That's in, 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 between, <laughs> yeah, in between the two blackboards positioned in a particular height. So it's there. Right. And there were be references made to it during the forum. So in the advanced course. And that's why we have SLP. Um, and you will learn now that you've discovered, you know, who you're being and what a bitch you are, you can now start to invent yourself and start to um, develop healthy relationships and open up all these communications. And that's what you do in the advanced course. And then in the SELP, we you know, you've got three months, that's 12 weeks and three Saturdays. You've got three months to um, establish yourself, basically. So the advanced course is when people start to do public speaking and get up in front of the group. And that's usually, so there'll be two forums and one advanced course. So they'll collect people from two forums and bring them into the advanced course. So the numbers started to wane. I'll go through the statistics a little bit later. The numbers started to wane. The advanced course is smaller, more intimate because it's also, you know, $750 or 900 if you don't take the deal. <laughs> Yeah, um, so suddenly the market shrinks a little bit. Yeah. Well, these are the serious people, you know, the ones that really want to transform their lives. Um, so, yeah, it's for the, it starts to get the um, the warrior, it starts to get stronger, like the, who are the true warriors in life. Is that a thing <laughs> in, in forum, who the true warriors oh, are? Oh, well, not so much in the forum, but in the leadership program. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Warriors, who the warriors are, the, the people who want to make war. That's what warrior means, by the way. Someone who wants okay. to make war. Yeah, yeah, well, it's a war on cynicism <laughs> and resignation. Oh, yeah. No, it's all good. Oh, yeah. War yeah, on drugs. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Bring it. Bring yeah. that war. Yeah. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Please carry so, on. <laughs> so, so in the advanced course, people get to stand up and declare because it's in the declaration. They start to get into different types of communication. Um, and in the declaration, that's where we now introduce ourselves as a new possibility. People get, people get up, get coached into how to deliver their new, new um, possibility to the world. And we have to sit, we're sitting there, it's like if we buy it, if we get that they're really being their possibility and it, can they carry this through. And so, and let me and let me please clarify something for the audience from what you're saying here because just because I happened to read this today from the Wikipedia article on landmark form it clarifies that this term new possibility that you're using actually has a different definition or meaning 
When Landmark uses the term new possibilities, it does so differently from the everyday sense of something that might happen in the future, instead using it to refer to a present moment opportunity to be and act differently, free from interpretations from the past. Would you say that's accurate from your experience? This is new. We work to free from the constraints of the past, so it's yeah. been a little, little bit spiced up. But, yeah, so they, they didn't have that. They, they've become more articulate, but that wasn't there at the time. It was okay. mostly people struggling to explain what a possibility was. <laughs> She's like, yeah. Right. So I guess they've clarified that a little bit since yes. then. Okay. Yes. There's all Got constant fine-tuning, constant fine-tuning. Some of this... We had also, there was a racket and there was a winning formula mm. and they've changed the terminology for that as well. But it's it's the same thing. Though. <laughs> it's just- well, I can't help but draw so many comparisons already in just the little bit of language you've introduced to Scientology and the exact same language used there, formulas, declarations, mm-hmm. you know, uh, possibilities, not so much, but free from past traumas and stresses or past interpretations of yourself. That is 1,000% along the same line as what Scientology is trying to do. The theory being that the old you or the old habits or whatever are bad, wrong, incorrect, not suited for who you are or your current circumstances, and you have to get rid of those things so as to face the future, you know, with some mindfulness and and planning and and correct attitude, I guess, is the sort of the essence of it. And also in enrolling... There was the term enrolling, which they've changed now as well, but it was all about enrolling. Enrolling others into who you are because if they don't get it, then they're just going to keep fix, fixing you back into who you were. So by enrolling others into the forum, then that will snowball out and they'll get to invent, and that's how they yeah. – Oh, right, of course. So beyond – just having conversations with those around you about how you would respect or like to be treated or treat others or whatever, the best way to do it is actually get them in. Oh, it's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Get them right. into the landmark forum leader. They're like the masters right. and they'll, they'll fix it. They'll change everything. <laughs> right, right, right. Totally makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the other things we did in the advanced course was a being with exercise. And that is, um, so in this new, uh, realm of possibility there's being with so basically we would have the chairs got put to the back people stood up in rows and we had one so it's just cycling people through in literally just being with each other just looking at each other for probably five five minutes or so until the forum leader moved the next row around so basically just standing and being with each other in total silence that's TRs. <laughs> That's TRs. That's right out of Scientology. Except rather than making the person do it for hours sitting in a chair across from somebody, you just do it for five minutes standing. Oh, no, no, it was five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Right? And yeah. that... See, that little... That's actually genius because it's actually within the first few minutes that most of the change happens when you're sitting there doing your TRs. After about five or ten minutes, you go into a trance state. And you are seeing and hearing all kinds of crazy things. And it gets pretty wild when you sit there for two, three, four hours at a stretch. And that's what happens on TRs, right? And that's that—that's its own sort of 
crazy-making thing that Scientology does, but it does it at the public introductory level because in short bursts, sitting and looking at somebody and forcing yourself to go through some uncomfortableness and deal with the fact that you actually are looking at somebody else in the eyes you know, there's social mores, there's social veneers that get broken down doing that. And it's and it does feel empowering because you're doing something you don't normally get to do. And the other person's in full agreement with you doing it. And they're doing it back at you. And so you're feeling like you're making connections that you don't make in life because manners kind of break those down. And they do it for a reason. We've evolved for a reason that way with with manners. But but it's but this is clever. This is so clever because it's actually taking a very, very tricky thing that L. Ron Hubbard and company came up with in the 50s and then sort of tweak, tweak, you know, yeah. to make it to make it even more workable or, right. or more, you know, more, more, more tuning for a person. So anyway, I'm, I, I, I'm just going to interrupt you rudely while we do this here. Oh, no, no, please do, please do. Please do. This, was, this was me watching Scientology in the yeah. aftermath. I'm like, pause I'm like, get out of here. No right. way. Right. No way. This is <laughs> the language, the clearing and the stuff. It's like, oh. no, yeah. so I've got his book. Ah, okay. Is that the right way? Yeah, and it says he took stuff from the, from Scientology. Absolutely. And from Absolutely. So I have no doubt that he tweaked yeah. what didn't work. And it could have also been, you know, after his initial program, the Earhart seminar training went for two weekends, that it's been fine-tuned, fine-tuned, fine-tuned. It's still being fine-tuned. Of course, of course. I propose, I propose, you know, part of more of the communications I propose, I assert, I request these, you know, ways to uh, really connect with people um, that the structure is the same. You know, there's a fundamental structure that's the same. And I'll go into that a little bit later. So, so the advanced course had being with, and then there was also telling stories. So when you're talking about sitting down face to face with people, so participants would pair up and just tell their story. This could go for hours, like three, four hours. When people had finished, they could leave the room. But until people could, participants could share their story, whatever the drama that was driving their life with another person to get to a point where they could find it amusing. It's like find the end of this story, get bored with it, have it drive you crazy. So that was one of the exercises in the advanced course. Interesting. I'm curious what would happen. Did you ever notice anybody who did not hit that end result, who did oh, who yeah. could could not get amused, or what? Yeah. What did they do with those folks? Um, made it their homework. All right. Okay. Okay, yeah, yeah, makes sense. Because, yeah, the logistics, you know, you've got right. another 50 people waiting, so they couldn't hold it for too long. Yeah, I was and wondering. In that, uh -huh. in that particular one, because they haven't got the whole space. Whereas, but when the foreign leader had the whole space and somebody was working through their stuff, it would go for hours until they got the point. And that was, um, you know, like when I said completion, that's why they wouldn't give an end time because it would depend on how fast people got off it. It's up right. to you. Right, exactly. Interesting. You can go okay. home, you can go home, Ellie, you can get this. Interesting, so, what else, what else was there? So, and then we, it was the very first time I was introduced to something Scientology-esque in, 
but nowhere near as fish as you guys, was looking into the future, starting to imagine this new possibility living into 200 years in the future. Oh. Yeah. So that was totally like I couldn't get past the next day. And the forum leader's like, okay, so now imagine this possibility 10 years into the future. It's like stretching people's minds. And then imagine 50 years. We're like, whoa, 50 years. Um, and I think we did actually have a pen and paper to write down what the possibility was from memory. And it's like, okay, so how big would this possibility spread in 50 years? How big, you know, and inside of if you have your world extend and expand with all your people exploring their possibilities as well, like really getting into how powerful this would be if everybody did the forum and, um, and lived into their possibility versus their rackets of winning formulas. So I think we got a pen and paper and, that, and then he started to stretch into 50 years. It's like, now look 100 years into the future. Now look 200 years into the future. So that was possibly as far as we went into the future. Um, and at the end of the exercise, the course supervisor came around with a rubbish bin and we threw it all. It's like, okay, now we're going to file it. So, so threw it into the rubbish bin. It's like, okay. Come I can't through. tell you how many times as a Scientology staff member, we wrote down all the reasons why something couldn't be done or wrote down all the problems connected with a particular thing that needed to get done and then threw them all, ripped it all up into little pieces and threw it in a bin. And we were no longer to say or think about those things. Correct. <laughs> and it never worked. We always kept thinking and saying about those things. <laughs> anyway, please carry on. <laughs> so I'm just looking to double check. I've got some notes here just to double check if I missed anything else on the yeah, advanced no problem. So, And then the what else was there? Oh, and there was also um, board work. So there was, I can't remember what it was, but there was some text on a board and it's where people started to then memorise. So the assignment was to... Um, read from the board and then remember little bits and who could who in the room could remember the whole lot so have them it was just like working in pairs see how much you could remember and then the person that could remember a whole lot would stand facing us and um, go through the whole board so that was like I, like in reflection in doing these analysis, I can see all these tiny little bits were training people into being effective leaders for Landmark. Mm. So that was introduced into um, the advanced course. And then, okay, so now you've got your new possibility. You've got to live into the world and you're going to need, this is the end of the curriculum for living. So the self-expression and leadership program 12 weeks, 12 um, is usually one day, one evening. So either generally Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday were the most common evenings. And that would be from 7 until 9.30. And then a Saturday full day from 10 until completion. Um, and in the self-expression and leadership program, that's where these new 
possibilities were brought into existence via projects. So people would create a project and enroll their communities. So it starts with listing the communities that people are involved in, getting names as well of people that um, are important in these communities and having a look at how the self acts in these communities. So, for example, I've got my family, I act a particular way. Then I've got my friends, I act a particular way. I've got my local environment that I act a particular way. I've got where I study, I act a particular way. So having a look at my who I am in relationship to these different little um, communities. And so it started like there's, there's a map, there's a circle, self, um, individual, uh, family, community, and it gets out into the wider world. So that's where people are introduced into who they're being in relationship to different environments. So there's um, people get to see how we can be different according to who we're speaking with or who we're communicating with. And then the SELP is about breaking those down and introducing this new possibility to them via a project. And that could be having a house party. Um, that was one of the most common things, house party, inviting all your neighbours in to get to know who you are, um, cleaning up the beach, like some worthwhile community act that can get media involved, like start to stretch out past your family, um, get media involved, um, get an observer, so somebody that's just going to make sure that you're kind of ticking all the right boxes, so you're setting up structures, inviting people to be leadership, to give the project away. So if you get hit by a bus, then somebody in your community can take the project over, handing the possibility over to them. Um, so like I was the possibility of energy and whoever I came in contact with, it's like I was sparking energy into their lives and they would become energy. <laughs> wow. Okay. So this isn't just Sally Sue and Jim Jones. This is this is getting into some weird kind of stuff. It got it probably the, oh, maybe. I'm, I'm looking at if it's the weirdest it got, but no, I think it got weirder. Yeah, the introduction, it's like the more people could buy into this model then the crazier it can get. Right. Yeah. yeah right. Kind of connect. Yeah, we had certainly had some parallels in Scientology. I mean, I remember coming up with my, uh, the only thing that's appearing to me right now is sort of, sort of kind of similar to this is when I did a course called the Life Orientation Course, which is really not um, a, a big deal in Scientology at this point. It was when it was released. There were two courses called the Keto Life and then the Life Orientation Course. And you had to do the Keto Life in order to do the Life Orientation. Keto Life was all about communication, grammar, literally the, 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 the breakdown of, of communication, grammar, the meaning of the small common words of the English language, and notably uh, parallel to something you mentioned earlier, there is a process you do at the beginning with clay, making people and things out of clay, making problems out of clay, actually, is what you're doing. You are, you are required to show the definition of different, of, of different ways of looking at a problem. You know, a problem can be an intention and a counterintention. You know, I want to go to the park, you want to go to the beach, now we have a problem, right? That's intention, counterintention. 
that's a valid definition of a problem. That's one that Hubbard came up with or postulate, counterpostulate or whatever. Uh, situation demanding a solution, et cetera, et cetera. So you are required to make these in clay one at a time over and over and over again, different problems that people have given you, that you've given other people. It doesn't really matter the nature of the problem, but what you're supposed to see, what you're supposed to come to, or re- and what everybody has to come to as an end result of this process is that they have been being somebody else besides themselves in order to solve these problems. That the problems, right. that, that the person who is giving them the most problems in their life is actually somebody who has power over them to the degree that they themselves have actually started becoming that person rather than being right. themselves. That, right. that, is, that is a direct, that is a, an exact Scientology process that, that rarely, they very rare do Scientology processes have that specific of an end result called for. But in this particular case, that was, and that's a, that's a fairly powerful one that people hit on on that Key to Life course, and then they do all this grammar and communication stuff. So, And then life orientation is where they get all these tools and formulas and works and stuff, and they, and they clay. They, again, there's a lot of clay work to, to make it real that this is you, and this is your wife, and this is your boss, and this is your dog, and you know all this kind of stuff. So it's um, interesting just how the different approaches to breaking down a life and how it should be versus how it is and different ways that this is accomplished. And I am I am fascinated by the process. I'm not even putting value judgments on it at this point. I'm right. just saying this is fascinating, you know. Yeah, I think so too. This is, and you can, you know, an answer to why stay involved in this for so long because it was blowing my mind. I had yeah. never thought this way. And the, the company aside, I think that, the schism, what most people are conflicted with is that the company acts different to the technology. That's where it's like people get confused. They weren't being what was being taught. And that's where people are like, but, you know, if this really works, then why isn't the company using it? And they weren't. So and in what you're saying right now, I hear the communication curriculum, ah. which is, yeah. Mm. <laughs> so this is, this, we've already got the, the um, curriculum for living. This is the basic. There's, you know, you've got courses for life in here to deal with everything. But, yeah, breaking down and dismantling who people are being and seeing the effect in communities and yeah, and what's rubbing off? Are you buying into their rackets? It's like, how can you, why you stop being yourself? Why are you not being your possibility? What's stopping you here? So in the self-expression and leadership um, course program, it's actually SELP's self-expression and leadership program, there's more mocking. So sitting in groups and being with resigned and cynical people, sharing your possibility and um seeing the influence being unstoppable in the face of no agreement so that's where there's it's like you're put into practice and living your project and it's all about the journey this is not about the results in the SELP it's all about the journey so it's about learning as you go along and not being hooked on results because people are paying for this program as well so landmark can't get too 
articulate too much on statistics, but if there's tiny little fragments being introduced as people step in and go deeper and deeper into it. So yeah, statistics, conversations about statistics start to roll, roll in. Um, oh, so you should at this point be learning about keeping your own, you're talking about keeping your own statistics. Well, on your own measures, life. It's, it's actually meant specific. It's where specific measurable results are introduced. Okay. And that boils down even to, into how to measure love. Like how do you measure um, ways that people are being with you? How do you how do you measure love? It's like opens up a whole conversation for what is love to you, and you know the room's just coming back with all of these different interpretations. Like, well, if everybody's got different points of view of what love is, how do you measure it? And then you know boils down to each has got their own different way. It's like the number of times he looks at me, the number of times he calls me back, the number of times he listens, you know, and responds. So it's like breaking down specific measurable results and how to set them up for a win. <laughs> of course. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. If you're, yeah. not if, if you're not measuring, how do you know if you're winning? Yeah, exactly. You know, the thing that is deceptive about that is the effects over time. It sounds at the beginning like this really makes sense. But here are the two problems with it. One, your needs and wants change over time. So if you stick with something that you formulate when you're 20 years old or 25 years old or 30 years old, whatever, whatever block of time you're in, two, three years later, your views on that, odds are, are going to be different. Mm -hmm. And the statistics you would formulate now versus what you formulated then would be different. And I wonder how much that's taken into account in the indoctrination in this stuff, right? Because the statistics can become themselves a solution that becomes its own problem. You know, you didn't, I can see the fights, you know, you didn't look at me 10 times today, right? And it's like the husband's sitting there, you know, with the, with the, with the hunted look on his face going, okay, I'll look at you 10 times, you know, like, this becomes the measure of my happiness, you know, so that can become its own little problem. But more significantly from my experience with statistics and Scientology as a staff member is you start getting desperate when they're not going up, right? You want expansion. You want, and you're given the idea in Scientology, certainly by Hubbard, that there is an infinite expansion potential in anything that you do. And that guess what, folks? There isn't. There are only so many bricks you can lay. There is only so many people you can talk to. There is only so many people you want to talk to. <laughs> so, you know, you get to a certain saturation point, and that's it. That's your level. And when you're operating on a statistical system where statistics are the thing that, are, that is driving your life, then the statistics end up becoming your life. And that, I've lived through that. i lived through decades of that. So this is not something I don't know about, you know. Those are the two things I have a concern about. Now having voiced those two things, are those or anything else taken up in how you guys were taught about statistics to avoid those two traps? Well, so first <laughs> off, this is just the curriculum for living. It's like this is yeah. where people are getting tidbits into learning to 
manage their lives. And okay. And yeah, so the measurements are you're just waking people up to, I am like a walking measuring machine, whether I like it or not, but what am I actually measuring? So it's kind of waking people up to the ways that uh, we behave. Then in the leadership program, that's where the relationship to statistics, because it's like this is, it's too harsh. You have to kind of wean people through. And right. like what you said before, that so slowly the numbers get smaller and smaller as people, you know, we're finding out who's really, really, really committed to transformation here. And the ones in the leadership program, which comes after people have done the curriculum for living, then they're ready for the serious stuff. Okay. Right? Okay. Yeah. So good, that's where good. the statistics get addressed. But in this SELP, it's mostly introducing people to how we are and who we are in life and in relationship to different people and how we shift and change. And yeah, absolutely. The effects over time that starts to like these seeds start to get planted. It's like, okay, so if I'm my racket one day and I can then change into being my possibility, things change, people change. And if I'm open to being um, to transforming, then maybe other people can. And only if, if they only they could, then you know, we've got this more dynamic um, way to relate with other people. But in the opening, it's this way, this fixed way that gets people. It's like it's not the other person that's not changing their tune. It's actually me. Right. And if I can change my tune, then then the effects over time will start to alter and I can be with, as I become more confident with myself changing, I can be with other people as they change as well. But in the, in the, it's, it's like eye-opening. And I know for yeah. you, this is, this is just normal for you. Yeah. But we, you know, Landmark is working in a corporate world. Right. It's a corporate product service. Right. So these have to be introduced. Well, they were introduced really slowly, and I don't know what's happening now, but that's the way it was. Got it. So and I that's, totally and, hear you. Yeah, no, I get it, and I and I and I and I get that. I I jumped the gun a little bit on that, um, only because I'm <laughs> when it comes to statistics, man. You know, I haven't talked about a whole lot of that on my channel, other than saying that it was a lot of high pressure all the time. But I'm telling you, it's a fucking science in Scientology. It is not some little thing. Statistics are huge in that group. So We're going to cover that too. We're going to yeah. cover that too. I'm just sure. going through. This was my participation. You know, so that's Absolutely. what woke me up as to why I let what happened happen to me because this, because I had a world with some structure. I had a world where I could start looking into who I was, how I, the effect that I had, you know, I was like a mouse. And I learned that I had an effect on the world. And at the end of SELP, um, there's on the whiteboard, people would volunteer who they'd contacted around the world. So, you know, 10 people in Scotland, one person in Japan. It's like, we have a map at the end. It's like us, a tiny little group of 30 people have impacted the whole globe. By sharing who we are as possibility. Right, right. right? 30, so more, 30, can... 30 or 50 more people become the whole globe. I, lo I love it. I love the framing. Yeah. It's so it's so perfect. Yeah. So yeah. this is, you know, getting people to think bigger. Right. And to think of the effect, the cause effect. 
So this was fascinating to me, just fascinating. And I couldn't, I hadn't learned this anywhere, you know. So that's what kept me involved. Um, now, so SELP, I finished that then. To be, so in SELP, we also had coaches. So that was the introduction of having one-on-one -on -one personal attention. So for five people, so the group had, say, 30 people, and there were six coaches with five people each. And then we had calls once a week. Each, each week we had a call and to um, update our project, where we're at with our project, how who we were being as a possibility. So keep the possibility alive. We needed this individual attention. And that's what the coaches were for. None, no paid, nobody's paid for this. The coaches are plucked from the previous course. So it's all volunteer. Um, Landmark's very big on volunteering or people who are assisting. So the coaches would so the coaches would go through the program again, being there for the participants with their own um, meetings, being there an hour earlier, an hour later, organizing all of the calls, so doing that out of their own free time. So, and at the end of the SELP, then who wants to be a coach to keep this possibility alive, to work with other people, have their possibility be alive. And there's a head coach that works directly with the leader. Um, so that was the framework for, and then. So who in that room is getting paid by Landmark Nobody. Nobody, even the leader. Even the leader. Wow. Nice business model. Yeah, I'm going to go into that. Yeah, yeah. please continue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and there's a production team as well. You know, they've got the whiteboards, they're getting the chairs all sorted out. They're all volunteers. All volunteers. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, to bring okay. the possibility into existence. <laughs> hey, that's right. And, yeah. and okay, and and let's be fair for just a second. Uh, just a second. I'm trying to be fair through the whole episode, but just to just to say this. <laughs> um, no, seriously, like I get I get the helpful parts. I get that this is useful to people. I get that volunteering can be helpful. I you know, mm -hmm. and if that is what you want to do, I you know, who am I to say you shouldn't or couldn't or, or or that that's destructive somehow? I'm not trying to say that. I think that this is fascinating though because um, you know, you bring some critical thinking to people in an environment that kind of forces them to look at some things that Generally speaking, they're not going to be made to look at in a non-therapy environment. And mm -hmm. you push them a little bit in a, you know, again, in, a, in an environment where they can't push back too much, but, you know, they feel obligated. There's social pressures. There's all, I mean, there's, I really get the workout on this. It's really quite amazing. And I see how you are doing some good by pushing some people in certain directions and getting them to talk to people that they have, you know, disconnected or, or, or moved on from or, or uh, had a bad breakup with, or had a bad, you know, relationship with, or whatever, and 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 repair some things. Nothing wrong with any of that, at all. You know, uh, of course, people are going to feel helped by that. Um, but I, I am curious where this is going in terms of the leadership, because uh, so far we're seeing some some in, some, some indications. That things might not be as pleasant and wonderful and puffy and 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 rainbows and butterflies as we might think with this, and I'm just I'm fascinated where this is going to go. But I do want to acknowledge that it's not like this is all some nefarious evil plot. 
I get I get how the people could be helped by this. It would be inter- it's interesting. Ah, oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. people divorced. You know, people that were in relationships that weren't working, they finally got divorced. People were having affairs, acknowledged that. You know, started to share with their partners what was really going on. People in jobs that weren't working, they resigned. They started to look for new careers. Um, people's physical being altered dramatically. You know, as these troubles and concerns lifted from their faces, wrinkles disappeared, they become bolder, they became straighter, they became clearer, they were different people in a short amount of time. Yeah. And that we could see that in each other. And that's what it's like, well, if they're what did they do to just suddenly look 10 years younger? What did they do to now be jogging three times a week? You know, what's happening here? What am I not getting? So it be it's a, a lab for an intense inquiry into what it is to be a human being and that's rare is nobody addresses this that's that is actually true that is a true yeah. statement and seeing you know later i worked as a, as a course supervisor courses with 253 people seeing people I know, but I say the terminology, right? Yeah, or supervisor, yeah. Yeah. So seeing um, people from different cultures come together, different religions, um, police people, prostitutes, um, you know, IT, pilots, lawyers, young girls, housewives, um, all people come together and come in with their problems or these issues in communication. They can't relate to, mostly, they can't relate to their parents. That was the key that kept people in it's like that was the biggest thing so seeing this normalize in an environment where people were free to share what was really going on you know no pretense that got dropped and this is why no recording or um, naming names because people then had the privacy to actually say what was going on in their lives and it was incredible it was really beautiful and the scene it's like oh yeah it's like oh yeah that goes off me as well oh yeah that's my mom and the mothers could hear the children speaking about their relationship and you know the aunties and the uncles are like everybody's interconnected in these involved in um relationships employers could hear employees their side of the story it's like wow we're people we're humans <laughs> we're all got the same shit going on surprise yeah yeah. Exactly. Now it's interesting. It's interesting. It's a little ice water dip for some people, I imagine, uh, in in awareness outside of self and in yes. self awareness. You know, in looking at because basically what what the thing that people are going to tackle from this seminar from the forum is their ruin. I mean, this is the same thing that we that, that Scientology goes after. It just it it tries to milk it a lot longer. You know, Estes or Forum here is is taking that ruin. What's the thing that's ruining your life? That's what you're. That's basically what's coming up. I, you know, I, I, my mom, my kid, my job, my this, my that, whatever it is. Interesting that thing that that about the parents. I thought that was interesting. Statistics. I'd I'd love to see a speaking of statistics, a statistical breakdown of where the ruins lie. I'll bet. I'll bet that's some interesting information. But this is right. ruin finding. 
You know, this is right out of, this is the same thing again that Scientology is doing. And you, and you then are forced, and that's interesting because it's a dynamic solution. It's not a fixed solution. Scientology has fixed right. solutions. This course, this auditing session, this is what you need. In forum, it's, you know, you come up with a solution, but here's, but now that you've confronted the problem and you've just been putting the problem off all this time and it's been following you around, now you're going to deal with it and we're going to make sure that you do. And of course, people fall all over themselves in, in gratitude because they're being forced to confront the thing that they know is sitting on like an albatross around their neck and they don't know how to deal with it. Now they're forced to, and they're not allowed to come up with excuses or rationalizations. Why not? Correct. And now there's peer pressure with a group of people that they can trust because they've opened up about it. So of course, this is the most significant thing that's ever happened in their lives. I mean, this is one, two, three. You know, I, I totally get it. And Landmark has a course for you. You have an issue with relationships. We've got a seminar on relationships. You have an issue with commitment. We've got a seminar on commitment. There we go. Health and fitness, money, vitality. We can help you. Communication, the communication curriculum, that will will solve this. Yeah. You want leadership. You're missing leadership. Okay, cool. You have to come and do the introduction to leadership program. Six months, we'll fix you there. That's right. So, so well, yeah, so that's the so that's the curriculum for living. I did that. I became a coach. I became a head coach. Um, I did the six month training program. So that was where stuff got interesting because the training program is where the leaders are um, built from. This is where you get into landmarks, policies, and procedures. Um, having to represent the corporation so at this so i'll go through a couple of the changes that they made but there was a point becoming a corporation so it's represent the corporation no drugs cross the road when the little green man's there not when the red man's there um (laughs) tick all the boxes pay all your fines pay your taxes um clean up your relationships clean up your house it's like that's the agreement to go in there. So the agreements are the foundation for participation. Your coach, whatever your coach says, you've got a coach in the six-month training program as well. Whatever your coach says is it. Don't question it. She says, jump, you jump. He says, jump, you jump. Um, because they're there. They can see the greatness in you that you can't see. So in the introduction leadership program for six months, there's then regurgitate well learning the format so the format is what is delivered to new people that are new to landmarks education and it has a particular structure 30 something pages and we had to learn word for word verbatim how to deliver a format and that's what the six months is for we had um consultants in there to do hair makeup clothes, presentation, uh, videos to see before and after. Um, We had learning to read a document versus, so read and regurgitate or to generate and to bring it to life so that we're the owner. So there were four weekends and 26 classrooms on this. So it basically went for six months, um, two seasons, the winter, winter or the summer one. And um, 
crazy. So we had poems. So to learn to generate information, we had poems. And one weekend was spent learning these poems. So we had to learn information. It's like, this is where the programming came in. This is where the brain got downloaded with Landmark's IP. I don't know what else it is, but it's the intellectual property. You become the property of Landmark to be able to introduce people to it. They have to know that they're dealing with a Landmark person, not with Dale Dickens. They don't want Dale Dickens. They want the Landmark representative. So in the poems, it's like one of them is, no two mosquitoes ever land on a sheet of flypaper in quite the same way. Ever noticed how one will turn this way and that or the other? No different from the first, we'll turn that way and this. But either way, try as they might, stuck is stuck. So there's like standing there, people coming in and delivering. It's like in their best um, best presence. And then the coaches come in and they're like, no, 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 it's not like that. you got to be a mosquito. So it's like running around the room. No, two mosquitoes and flying around, being stuck on stuck paper. It's like, this is how you deliver the format like whoa so we've had a we have a weekend of learning these poems in a way that we became the the property and then learning the format so that's kind of the introduction we've done the presentation and the way to deliver and then it's like okay so now you've got your format you got to bring it to life you got to be the author so the person in the room has no question that you own what you're talking about so that was six months, just how partnering much did, up. How much did that cost? Um, that was $400, so $100 each weekend. Okay, so 400 bucks for pay. four weekends where you learn how to deliver the, land, <laughs> the landmark form. And you're well, just not, like the guy on the stage at your... No, no, not, no, not the landmark form. No, oh, God, no. no. This is oh. just an introduction to new people. So oh, this is just leave... to intro to new people. Yeah, we could introduce what Landmark is to, um, so in the evening session, when our guests sit with us for one hour and then they go into separate rooms, these introduction leaders lead this format. Okay. This is to get people to the forum. Yes. Got it. Okay. So this is leadership training. Yes. To accomplish that task. Got it. Okay, good. I just That's right. be, I'm glad we yeah. clarified that. Good. So, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, this, this is nowhere near to be a landmark forum. Oh, God, no. Yeah, because so I thought that was awful fast to be able to train no, no. you to deliver that. Yeah, okay. Okay. This is just a taste of what it takes <laughs> to, to see, see who the real warriors are. All right, okay. right. Okay, you've got this far. You think you're a warrior, huh? Well, let's test that. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So so during these six months, there's learning to clean up the environment after you, which includes the toilets. So there were no, there was cleaners that came in to vacuum and clean the actual office space, or it's called a centre, to clean the centre space probably once every three months. Until, or could it, be, it may, may have been like a fortnight or something. I can't remember, but we didn't see the cleaners in there very often. We were doing the work. We were vacuuming, cleaning the windowsills, the toilets, making sure the toilet paper was stuck up, wiping the vomit off the wall when people got really confronted. It's like we 
the training was, it's the karate kid style. You want to be a leader, then you do the work for the master and learn to basically defend yourself and, you know, to um, be the real leader in life. So during the six months, there's an introduction to, there's, yeah, looking after the space. Um, statistics, this is where statistics start to arrive. Um, the game is each person has a game. At that point, it was only 15, well, only, registering 15 people into the forum over the six months. So registration includes they have a they have their packet. This is not promises. This is not going tos. This is they have paid their money and they have a packet and they do the course. If they don't do the course, that statistic doesn't count. Interesting. Right? This Interesting. Is bums on seats and uh, get them into courses. Right. So and that could be done through home introduction. So you've got the format, you can start now um, delivering to friends and family, <laughs> like they really want to hear it. Wow, wow, <laughs> man, this is really formalized. I thought Scientology had some, had some of their shit together because they have a four-step dissemination drill that they train their Scientologists on, but it is nowhere near as tough or ruthless or organized as this is. This, really? this is, yeah, this is quite something. There was a constant refrain as a Scientology staff member and later as a Sea Org member to push public to bring in their friends and family. We were constantly harping on people to do that. And we had a methodology to do it. Hubbard wrote a four-step drill. You come in, you practice doing that. We would do workshops. We would do weekend, free weekends uh, workshops about doing about how to do this thing called the dissemination drill Contact, handle, salvage, bring to understanding. Those are the four points, right? You do those four <laughs> points, you get the guy in. That's how it works. And we would work guys over and, and drill them, um, but it was constant pressure on the public to bring in their friends and family and coworkers and whatever, and they would all be backed off on talking about Scientology. And we, of course, didn't know how bad the word was about Scientology because nobody would tell us. We didn't know right. the toxic bullshit these guys were running into in the in the real world because nobody let us look at the internet or look at what was being said. And so we didn't know about Leah Remini. We didn't know about, you know, Mike Rinder. We didn't know about Anonymous. We didn't know about Tom Cruise jumping up and down on the couch that, that the world thought he was crazy. We didn't know any of that. So imagine not knowing any of that and being told, if you just do these four steps, you'll get anybody in. <laughs> Right. And it was like, yeah, no. Right. Because the second step is handle. Contact handle. So handle is deal with all the bullshit that they've heard about Scientology. If you don't know all the crap right. they've been hearing, how are you supposed to be prepared to deal with it? Right. This is where they bite themselves in the butt with their own information control and thought control. So just commenting on that. But I just I thought it was an interesting uh Compare contrast because forum sounds like they've got this drill down way heavier on bringing new people in than Scientology does, and it and it shows. I think that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like this is when I spoke about um, people just analyzing the forum and coming back with it's not a cult. <laughs> I'm just thinking you do the leadership program and then let's talk. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But you got to you got to go past the surface level, you know, and that's yeah. that's where they fool people, especially because it's not religious. Forum is not religious in nature. 
So no, people's guard not. comes way down on that. It's corporate. Yeah. And we were told, you know, people would come in and say, but isn't this based on Scientology? And like, this has not got nothing to do with Scientology. Don't go to the internet. Don't believe what you read on the internet. Because also <laughs> at this stage, the internet was just becoming, being introduced. We were, oh, I'm going to go through the procedures for how we actually registered people. But the internet was really new. So, landmark we're very much against it it's kind of like people can't self-organize without something like us so don't believe what's out there you need an organizing like organization like us to know what the truth is but this you know internet thing that's just like out there anybody can say anything it's all full of porn don't believe it that it's got anything to do with Scientology no way no way it's got nothing to do with Scientology Right. Yeah, liars, liars. Right. So, I love the way that I love that in the art. Yeah, exactly. I love the way they, you know, I just noticed this just now. I love the way that you can fool people by giving them two pieces of true information that are outrageous and but yet true, and then throw a third one in there to convince them that that they shouldn't do the third one. Don't look at the internet about the forum, right? Because Anybody can say anything on the internet. Oh, my God. Right? In other words, free speech is alive and well there. And two, it's full of porn, which actually is true. (laughs) There's a ton of porn. There's like three out of four websites on the internet are porn. Why do you think that is? Do you think it has something to do with us? Maybe. (laughs) So, anyway, I just thought that was kind of funny. They give you the one, two, and then so, therefore... Don't look at the form as though any of these things are related to each other. They have nothing to do with each other. Yeah, but you'll get a head, yeah. a no, a head nodding at one of them, so it must be true. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The inertia literally carries you forward. You wouldn't, you, so, oh, yes, anybody can say anything. Yes, the internet is full of porn, so therefore I should not look at anything on the forum on the internet because you're still nodding. Yeah, so, like, so then, you know, two out of three, if one's true, then the other one must be true and the other one must be. So, exactly. yeah, they're right. they're right. It's giving the authority over. That's to, right. Yeah. That's right. Um, so, yeah, so the ILP, Introduction Leaders Program, it was called the Introduction to the Forum Leaders Program, and then it got shortened to ILP, Introduction Leaders Program. And with that, they changed a few of the statistics, Um I'm just having a look. So we were also taught to deliver a killer share, you know, fine-tuning what has to be said, when it has to be said, and how to get people's attention. So they're just like, wow. That's like, I want to be able to do that. So that there's more, there was more um, introducing the ILP participants into public space to get used to leading to big, bigger groups starting with three or four, this way, little family introductions, and then 15, 16, and then um, maybe 50 people at an evening session that people have got stronger with it, the producer statistics. There was a minimum acceptable range that the leaders, if they kept above 26%, then they would get the bigger rooms, but lower than that, they just have to keep training up to be able to be effective. Hey everyone, we have now launched full speed into 2020, and one of my biggest goals is to learn a lot. I think that's a goal we should all have, and I have the perfect way for you to accomplish this, the Great Courses Plus. 
Whether that means discovering new interests or expanding your knowledge on specific topics, The Great Courses Plus has you covered. This online learning service offers thousands of lectures covering everything from history to science, philosophy to personal development. The list is huge, and there really is something for everyone. And the courses they offer are taught by the best professors and experts from top universities and institutions around the world. This is reliable information we can all trust. I think any viewer of my, of my channel is familiar with how much pseudoscience and nonsense there is out there. But when it comes to a subject as important as your health, how do you know who and what to trust? Well, to help you with that, I'm promoting a specific course being offered now on The Great Courses Plus. It's called The Skeptic's Guide to Health, Medicine, and Media, a course you can start right now. We all need help navigating the world of health and wellness, and this course will give you a skeptic's perspective on the whole thing. Learn about alternative medicine, how to evaluate new drugs, and how the media and internet affect our beliefs. Dig deeper than those clickbait articles and get the real facts about today's health issues. I've got big learning goals this year, and I hope you do too. Sign up for The Great Courses Plus today. They're offering my listeners a free month trial of unlimited access to the entire library. Unlimited knowledge at your fingertips for a whole month? What a deal! But you have to sign up using my special URL, thegreatcoursesplus.com slash critical. Remember, thegreatcoursesplus.com slash critical. Sign up today they go on to become introduction leaders. So introduction leaders is a one-year agreement and that is to lead effectively for once a month. So after I did the ILP, no, actually, no, 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 no. It was while I was doing the SELP, um, I had introduced my housemate to Landmark. So he was also a pretty confused soul. He had he was a homosexual, had got himself in a relationship with a woman. She got pregnant. He was dealing with his homosexuality. He was Tunisian Jew. Um, got himself into a relationship with somebody that was already in a relationship. So he was just like fucked up, from my view. And oh me, I'm just like go do the forum, do the forum, do the forum. The forum will fix it. And he, um, he did do the forum and he committed suicide shortly afterwards. So that was, you know, and this is what I say, how did I do what I did? I went on to do the leadership program after this because I was in an environment that could I could communicate um, that nurtured me into this new possibility and you know it's like people do commit suicide and nobody knows the cause of it the clinical psychologist had this whole spiel for it um and i just threw myself in deeper i was kind of like there's something wrong with me that these things keep happening to me so i had to get better i have to get sharper with my communication i have to learn to be a real leader so that these things i can work with people and these things don't happen um, so during my leadership program, I accepted a position to be on staff. 
so halfway through my leadership program, I was handed a, an offer and I just thought, you know, because this guy had committed suicide in my home. Um, I had to, I found him. I got a call from Landmark on that evening, just after I'd found him, a hello call asking if I was going to clear me for the communication program that following weekend. I did the communication course. It's like I just got weaned further into it because I needed to communicate. I needed to talk. So I I did the communication course. I produced some really extraordinary results. And, yeah, and the centre manager gave me um, a packet to be on staff. And I thought... I, need, I needed somebody to guide me. I needed somebody to tell me what step to take first and to, to tell me how to live my life because I was really fucked up and I, I obviously was failing. So I accepted. You know, I, I would like to stop you for a second because I'm, you know, what you just said was very powerful, very powerful. But also, do you see the inherent contradiction there at this point? Oh, hell yeah. They stopped me from talking. I didn't go to any professionals. I didn't report, like, report this. I didn't have any outside external um, network or guidance to have me perhaps think that maybe what I was in was a little heavy. (laughs) No, I didn't have that. Instead, I went straight in there, and I can see that, it's in their interest as well to keep me in and to work through that situation in a way that it didn't speak badly about it. Yeah, exactly. And here you are having done form, having done this further advanced training, advanced course, SELP, this stuff. And yet you felt when you got this application for membership or to staff, your life was a mess. You needed somebody to tell you what to do. You needed to know how to think, how to act. And you were looking for guidance, and here was an organization all too happy to give it. It seems to me that that's the exact opposite of the state you should have been in, given that you had paid money and done all of these things that were life-affirming, like <laughs> you know, that were like so like amazing. You were you were creating a network right. of people around you, and like everything should have been amazing. And yes. then I, you know, and staff should have just been, of course, I'm going to join staff because my life is so powerful. I can't wait to give this to everybody else. And instead, it was actually the exact opposite. And I just thought, wow, I gotta, I gotta ask you about that because that's quite. And and yet, at the time, it sounds like it makes perfect sense. <laughs> like, of course, I should get, I should double drown, I should triple down. Of course, I should. <laughs> you know, so of course, that's what we. I mean, I, I who am I to talk? I joined the goddamn Sea Org. I mean. I get it, you know what I mean? So I'm not calling you out for, you know, like what a moron you were. I'm just pointing out, wow, isn't that an interesting response at that time, you know? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Before I did Landmark, I had an exercise business. You know, I got um, a government grant that paid for a year after I established a business and I built an exercise business with no background training. I was, you know, because I'd broken so many bones, I had this particular routine that I was doing and I just became an exercise trainer. I was working 
probably 16 hours a week and then out in this sannyasin world getting all these new techniques and bringing those into my clients I was successful and I got into landmark and I lost it wow see that's the the kind of realization I had to have and it took me years in fact I actually didn't even realize this till after I got out of Scientology That wonderful, brilliant communications course that I took that knocked my socks off and blew me away and allowed me to talk to girls and allowed me to not be a shy introvert. Guess what? For the next two years of high school, I was still a shy introvert that didn't get any dates and couldn't talk to girls, right? So I assigned all this wonderfulness to this class when, in fact, the product was never there. It was just me pumping myself up. Because I was prop, you know, because I had been given so much love bombing and propaganda about how wonderful and awesome and amazing this was, and I just thought we should, you know, note the parallel there. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Um, and it really showed up when I was on staff. People not in relationship, you know, there's no time. So staff, it was from my hours, sixty three hours a week from ten a.m until 9 p.m. Monday to Friday and 10 a.m. until 6 p.m. on Saturday. So that was the 63 hours. And then and that's I all volunteer the... work. No, no, I was paid. Oh, now you're Start, getting paid. Okay. Started... Yeah. Now you're getting paid. But okay. <laughs> and... <laughs> yeah, how much? <laughs> paid. So at the time it was it was twenty-four thousand dollars. When I left Landmark, I got fifty-five, and I only had to work from nine till six, Monday to Friday. Okay. Okay, full-time so job basically. To, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's basically doubled my salary. Didn't have to work as many. I only had to work what, forty hours. Right. So it did Versus, get better over time. Well. We'll go <laughs> yeah, let's get the details. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So on staff, this is where I learned about the statistics. Yeah. It was my job to enroll teams and um, get teams on board to be there for registration breaks. So during the forum, the advanced course and SELP, there's strategic registration times. Saturday morning of the forum. So one thing I neglected to say is that the forum includes a 10-session seminar series called The Forum in Action, which breaks down all parts of the forum, and it's free. Hmm. Right? Okay. So so the forum leader will say, so, you know, we know you've absorbed a lot of information this week, and maybe you don't know how to quite do this in your life. Well, we've got the 10-session seminar series, which is free, and that will break it down, and you can start to learn that way. Right. So this the my accountabilities as a staff person was to organize teams for these registration processes. So on Saturday morning of the forum, around before the first break, so it's around um, anywhere between 11 and 1 11 a.m. and 1 p.m., I would organize a team of people um, depending on how many people were in the course, how many people on the team I needed. So usually one for four people. The team would come in at the when the forum leader talked about this forum in action seminar opportunity for free, and we would hand out cards. So he would introduce the team. Here's the team. They can help you with your registration process. We would hand out cards to everybody in the seats, and then we collated them 
I had to have the statistics to the landmark forum leader within 20 minutes, preliminary statistics. So we would go into another room, sort the cards into yes, no, maybe, let us know, no answer. The participants were instructed, if you want to register, you write your name, your phone number and your address. That's a yes. If you don't want to register, just write your name. If you're not sure, write on the back of the card why you're not sure. What circumstances are you dealing with? So I had um, a list of all of the participants. The statistics were 92% of people in area needed to register. So this was for a, uh, a, yes, a yes event. We got literally got a map with one of these, a protractor and you had to draw a circle around the map of Melbourne, anybody within um, 100 miles was in area and anybody that was out of Melbourne, that, that circle was out of area. So the potentials were then to get 92% of the people registered, we had to take all the out of areas, the scholarships, reviewers um, and underage out of the list. And this was done with a colored, a highlighted pen so reviewers and scholarships would never count. So they were highlighted in purple. Out of areas would count if they registered back in. So they were highlighted in yellow. And then everybody that registered was in blue. So we had this team of people within 20 minutes, we had to go back and give the preliminary measure. It's like right 70%. And then they would know whether or not to keep talking about how great the forum in action was. If it was like 80%, it's like, okay, cool, we can manage this over the course of until Tuesday evening. So these statistics were always, what did you say, the effects over time? Oh, I got to deal with the effects over time. As people left the course, the statistics changed, people changed their minds. So the yellows would become green, would become blue, become purple. It's like, and the forum leader would want to know the statistics that I had to have the accurate answer. I had to know what was so every moment in time. The people that weren't interested, they would get their cards under their name tags so that when they came in the next day, we had to know why. So we would find out the people that were unsure. Why? What's your circumstances? Um, what are you thinking about? What are you having to deal with? Oh, I'm leaving my job. I don't want to commit to anything. Oh, commitment. We, you know, we've got a commitment seminar. You'll learn more about that before I'm actually there. I'm moving into state. Oh, okay. Well, I can find out if it's Sydney, if they've got the forum in action. You could do a couple of sessions there. Anything, it, everything it took to get a yes. And it had to be clear. There was no messing about. There was no maybes. The right. maybes had to be sorted. Right. Um, and so it was a constant. So, and the team, like, because of the um, pace of the forum, sometimes the team would wait there for four hours. The forum leaders dealing with somebody having a like going through their stuff, their rackets and stuff, and the team would just have to sit at the back and wait. It's like get off it. This is training for you to get off it. So it was ruthless. Sounds <laughs> like it. Ruthless. Yeah, sounds yeah. intense. Okay, so the other part of the advanced course where statistics were met were sorry, the forum was registering people into the advanced course. So they would have a, on the Sunday evening, start start kind of weaning in the conversation and 
I think from memory, it was 42% of the in-area participants needed to register into the advanced course by the Tuesday evening. So again, another team would come in um, to register the people who that registered participants into, there was a table set up at the back with this special deal, um, credit cards, and it was pay and take a packet. There's no messing about with one or two maybes, not sure. It had to be they had their packet and the credit card was paid. There was, um, on the cards, there was the deposit agreements. So they were, people would agree to pay their deposit on the Monday or the Tuesday, call their credit card through if they didn't have it. So there are all ways to monitor to make sure this statistic came through. Now, this is then, back in the days pre-internet, pre-cell phones for the most part, yes. right? So yes. I imagine the pressure would have been even more than it would be now where we can reach oh. people so much easier. How, what, what were you instructed to do as a, you know, as a form staff member to, to elicit these re-signs? <laughs> whatever it took, whatever it took, calling people, um, meeting them face to face, um, I remember calling somebody one time and she's like, oh, I've got friends coming over. I was like, not a problem. Just get your credit card out now and we'll deal with it. And then you can be with your friends. You don't have to worry about this. They would do it. Just, and oh, well, the thing was that mobile phones just came out and our first bill that we had the business and finance manager come out is like a people. No, you don't talk on a mobile phone. Because you remember when they first came out, they were really expensive. Big time, yeah. Yeah. So all of the encouragers, the forum leaders are just like, go out and use the staff, the center's phones. Well, people were, and the bills were gigantic. So those, um, we had to call on landlines. So there were a couple of new policies that came in place. Um, but it was mostly talking, just wear them down. Just talk until they see us, work through every problem, um, find out what was stopping them and let them know how much better off they would be if they did that course, how these issues would not be a problem anymore. Interesting. So, yeah, talking for hours. Yeah, just keep going. Just keep pounding on them until you wear down there. It was called a brick overcoat of resistance of sales resistance in Scientology that came from Les Dane. He was a sales guy that Hubbard loved. And so Hubbard took his sales book and, and that's what all the sales guys were trained in. And it was all about it was all about taking away the bricks yeah. in the brick overcoat that the prospect creates when he doesn't want to be sold something. And your job as the salesman is to remove those bricks one at a time until the guy is standing there brickless excuseless must sign up and then you got to know and then the the second phase is knowing how to close because they can still say no mm -hmm. and if you don't do it right so you gotta you gotta take away all the bricks you know in other words convince them work through all the problems like you just said but then you got to get the close too of and of course you want to do this because this is the right thing for you to do or whatever the the, the closing line will be so Anyway, please carry on. <laughs> I, I don't. We didn't. We didn't get down to a formula like that. Hmm. Most of a lot of the training in the introduction leaders program was where this training took place. Was mostly getting into another person's world. It's connecting, yep. finding out, building relationship, yep. finding out 
why they were suffering in life and how if they continued to repeat the same patterns, there wasn't going to be an answer. And Landmark was a very possible um, intervention that could shift that pattern. So a lot of work was done in listening. Like I learned to listen. The, the skills were just quite extraordinary. Really listening to language, what it was people were saying and standing for them to be their greatest self. It's like right. you are suffering right now. You're, you're not in your true power. And you know, and the perverse, and the, and what we're offering is for you, you for a way to come into your true power. Just imagine, if this were something you could do, and then this, and like standing planting seeds. So, a lot of the work was done through. For me, it was one. I wanted to connect with people as well because that was a huge missing for me. So it wasn't, we didn't have the steps and the strategy that you share about, but I can see that Naverna Earhart used to be a used car salesman and he delved into these sales techniques. So we were presented with a way that um, seemed natural and organic, but don't give up. <laughs> and, well, exactly. At, at the bottom of all of it is that principle. Don't give up. Never give up. Right. Hard sell. Yes. You know, caring about the person enough to get them through the stops and barriers, preventing them from achieving spiritual freedom and immortality. That's hard sell in Scientology. Caring enough about the person to get them through the stops and barriers, right, to their personal freedom right. and immortality. That's that's how science, that's how science, that's the baseline Scientology sales indoctrination and all the methodology builds on that. But without that, without the hard sell attitude, it all falls apart. And you guys had that. We had that. All these groups have that. If you don't have that, and it comes across as caring, but under the pressure of the quota met, the quotas must be met, the quotas will win over compassion 100% of the time. <laughs> that's that's where things that's, get grew, screwy. That's a know? result. If you're not yeah. producing results, then you're not successful. You're not being right. measured. You're not um, doing what you said you would. If you were, there would be a result. It's pretty simple. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> that was very good. Yes. So, so the, through the... Um, the seminars, the Lama Forum, the advanced course, SELP, even ILP, the same thing. A team would come in at a particular time, um, and this was global. This was a formula global. It's the seventh session of every um, seminar series. That's when a team of people came in. That was a special evening. Um, there were always introduction leaders at the beginning of the course. The, product, the introduction leaders had their statistics to meet. They had to, so everybody had a self-interest in keeping this game going. The, um, they had their minimum acceptable results. Everybody had minimum, minimum acceptable results. So as a staff person, I would organise teams to go in and um, get these results at strategic time, places in time, which meant, you know, going in on Saturday and staying Saturday evening, going in on Sunday on my days off, supposed days off. We There was a point where, 
the policy came through that staff people had to take a weekend off because people were getting sick and we weren't going home. It was, I had an extra, on top of my 63 hours, I had at least 30, 40 hours on top of that doing all these extra bits. And wow. I had to be a, I had to be a leader. I had to be an introduction leader. And these were all my volunteer time, in my right. volunteer time. So that was just the expected. There was no arguing. As a staff person, I also had to replace myself when I went on holidays. So I had four weeks a year. In Australia, we have four weeks a year. Um, we were encouraged to take one, year, one week a quarter so that we didn't have a big block and we had to replace ourselves. So people were scared. Like they didn't want to, I'm like, can you come and be a staff person for a week? Are you kidding me? No way. So, you know, it was not um, condoned that we leave the space blank because we were going to have to catch up anyway. So it was in our self-interest to find somebody to replace us. So that was a basic. Um, and yeah, and then so with the statistics we had, we would meet once a quarter in our own time outside of our office hours to create the quarter. And it was basically putting 8% on top of the previous quarter. We had to be 8% better than the previous quarter to prove that we were a growing enterprise. Okay. I think 6% is considered in, in in any growth industry, any sales or service industry, 6% annual growth is amazing. And it was interesting how in that Guardian article, um, that, that reporter, that British reporter who did this said something about how Landmark is growing as of 2003, it's something like 10% a year, something like that. So I just thought I'd throw that out there as some Number. Well, that may be the centres that are still open. There was somebody in France that recorded a forum um, and that centre got shut down. I was thinking for the course supervisor, like, oh, my God, your ass would have been kicked over that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, re I, I heard about that and I was like, uh-huh. Yeah, they just totally pulled out of France after a documentary yeah. was made about the forum and, and aired. And Europe is a lot more transparent wow. and open about this stuff than America is, way more. There are Absolutely. much more advocates for, for people's rights than that America is. Absolutely. Look at Germany. They don't yeah. just take any um, training like this lightly. Yep. So, yeah, the, the European countries were a lot um, more resistant. The Asian countries, on the other hand, they want to be, you know, West and getting into the corporate culture. So it's thriving in the Asian countries. Makes complete sense to me, too, given the, the cultural shift and different and value differences in Asian cultures versus American cultures. They're much more collectivist in their thinking. Yeah. So the yeah. idea of getting along with other people and resolving all that stuff and working together and quotas and all that stuff are going to... I'm not trying to stereotype the entire Asian world when I say stuff like that. It's just there are tendencies you see with cultures, and that's all I'm trying to point out there. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they're more um, open to statistics. They're like yeah. very statistics-oriented, so this works yeah. perfectly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we would meet and schedule the following quarter everything was done by quarters um to meet our to organize ways that we would increase by eight percent the following quarter uh, and 
create a possibility. So we had to invent a possibility for the quarter. That quarter was going to be the year of magnificent results or the year that Perth transformed itself. You know. So we had, so on staff, I, there were four full-time people and one part-time person. Now, and I was accountable for the people who were assisting. So I had around 220 people assisting to have all of these courses take place, all volunteers. And the agreement was that they would have something at stake, an area that they wanted to be trained and developed in, a better communication, um, more power, being more assertive, um, production, being able to uh, manage a production event, sound, um, looking after the leader. The leaders would have a wellbeing support. So the wellbeing support would pick the leader up from the hotel organise their food over the course of the weekend, go and run errands, go buy newspaper, um, whatever. And, you know, the foreign leaders would give them a hard time as well, go out and get a specific newspaper. It's like the most difficult newspaper you could find in Perth um, out of a particular date and it had to just like really tricky things just to, I think, to trick people see how fast they could get off it. So there's like during the course, so this is all like the... Um, the facade of it. In reality, there were breakdowns everywhere, all the time. Leaders that just wouldn't show up, um, completing. There were two staff people that I know of that just didn't go back to work one day. They didn't tell their family. They just disappeared. One guy in Sydney, it turned out he caught a train to Perth and stayed there for about six months. He didn't contact anybody. This is weirdness. Who leaves their job and their city and their home and just doesn't communicate with people? And I know somebody else in the States did that as well. So there was very um, particular with communication, who got what. The staff people were the kind of the bastions for the policies and procedures. So we had to have those down pat. Yeah, and interestingly, one of the questions in the policies was that we had to train ourselves to answer was, do people commit suicide after doing the landmark forum? That was in the policies and procedures. And me, I know they do. So I'm caught in this, like each time I saw the question, I'm like, but the answer is yes. Why am I having to say, Dr. Raymond Fowler said this and this is what suicide's about and you know, totally deflect the answer. Right. So these kind of these things started to get to me. And I know of somebody else that committed suicide um, during one of the forums. And came in um, when I was on staff, we came in and the center manager's fishbowl was like big glass room that she could see everything that was going on. The blinds were down, everything was quiet. And we're like, what's happened? Like, oh, somebody in the course committed suicide. So this was on the Monday. Um, and his mother's in there. And the same thing, she was in there for hours and she left work, you know, his, his son was chronically depressed and we're looking over the form to see if there was any indication that we could have picked something up. So this is, this is me, I know of two, and that's in my short time. Um, but that, it was just hushed over. Um, there was a... Interesting, so there was, so... I was going to ask you about this, and then it seems an appropriate place. In the 
day-to-day work of being a staff member for the forum, right? Actually really working for corporate, which is what you were doing. You're in this office environment. It's a small office. You said four four full-timers, one part-time. Was there any self-correcting mechanism within the organization when things went bad or wrong or south or somebody screwed up? I mean, uh, you know, you're doing your job. You're not getting your quotas met. You know, is, is it all just go figure it out or was there some kind of procedure to deal with you to correct you back into how you should be? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We had, um, so in 1997, I think it was 97 or 98, Landmark Education as it was got an overhaul and became Landmark Education Corporation. So we had a charter. There were five events in the world, Melbourne, New York, London, were the three I remember. I can't remember where the other two were. Um, and it had, it called in media. Um, so in Melbourne, we had the region, New New Zealand, all the states of Australia. And this new corporate look was presented. And in it was the charter. Now, I shared with you the charter in our pre, pre, pre conversation. Um, we promised to be true to our, our values. We had um, the integrities, integrity, the state of being honouring oneself as one word, self-expression, the freedom to be, giving oneself fully to all of life, responsibility, the willingness to be caused in the matter of one's life, ultimately the context from which one chooses to live, making a difference, a profound privilege of causing and participating in one's own transformation, the transformation of others, and the transformation of life itself. This thing, this document, we read whenever there was a breakdown. So who are you being? Take, pick a value. Um, what happened? Why did that person not register? Who are you being? What's going on with you? So we're basically dragged into the fishbowl and cleared, <laughs> dare I say it. Interesting. No, I, please do. Very interesting. So it's all about you, your beingness failures, your failure to be what you needed to be to produce the product that was desired. Mm -hmm. Do do I have that right? You do. However, this shift with the corporation was quite profound because it shifted from ontology into transformation. And with transformation, there was a staff conference um, with after this big event, each centre had a staff conference with somebody from the States came over and she drilled down how it was going to be in this new transformation model. So that was all about statistics and lists and um, trans- transforming what happened into what could possibly happen with um, diaries, schedules. Everything had to be scheduled in time. So we were encouraged to buy 24-hour diaries seven days a week and everything had to be scheduled in. Who, What we were going to do, when, when we were going to make these calls, when the team was going to be in place, if what we hadn't done, so we went down to micromanaging and I, I sucked at this. I hated it. I hated this shift. It was horrible. So every hour, if I hadn't done what I said I would do, I'd get called into the centre manager's office, find out what was going on, why I didn't make the calls I said I would. What did I actually do then? What did you do for the last hour? What have you been doing? Like, I don't know, dealing with breakdowns. <laughs> 
and somebody called in and they're having like panic attacks over something so I was on the phone with them for 20 minutes like I had to it was accountability that's right it was landmark was being also all about being accountable so at the conference it was presented with different levels and it did look like a pyramid at the top was um being accountable for at the bottom was um something I can't remember but it was something like we'll stand for the future LEC 2020 and when we got back and had our staff conferences we as a staff person we had to be accountable there was no question I didn't even know what accountable meant at that time it was not cool accountable was not a thing we're all looking at each other's like, what's accountable? I don't know, but we have to be it. So yeah, okay, I'll be accountable for the future, at least in 2020. I had to keep my job. So yeah, it was accounting for time, accounting for every event in time. You know, the leader, when she presented it to us, she's like, I even schedule sex. Like, you want to know when everything is going to happen? I have... Um, all of my bills scheduled out into when I'm going to pay what. I know exactly what I'm doing when. If I cause an event, I cause an event. I don't care about the status of my home. I'm just going to have the event because I did what I said I would. And this is how you'll be as landmark staff people. <laughs> so that big shift was quite interesting. The number of things that happened. The landmark forum leaders, until that point in time, their agreement was to be a forum leader for the term of their natural life. So landmark forum leaders didn't have, their contract was that they would lead for the rest of their lives. When this new charter came in, um, they were given the option to leave without any consequence because it had changed so dramatically that they could, um, there was a, they have forum leader forwards. There was a forum leader forward and they would discuss this new direction. How many, how many forum leaders are there in corporate landmark? How many do they have available to them to go out and do these? Well, at the time, at the time it was 52. I don't know now. They used to have um, the, all of the leaders on their website. So oh, I just okay. check in occasion, check in occasionally, see who was a forum leader. But it was the training was so rigorous, right? You know, you have my ILP training, then they have to lead two successful seminars after that, and they also had to at one point in time. There's one woman that changed this. They had to be on staff for one year. Now, what would happen? was people would go on staff and just get lost. They'd stay on staff or they'd leave entirely. They never got through to be a forum leader. Right. So one woman came in from Melbourne and she said, I am not going on staff. I will be a forum leader. She was doing kick-ass results. She was getting like 97%, 95s, 97% consistently. And she had done yes seminars. She was like... She directed the way she was going to participate and she refused to go on staff. So then they changed the policy that um, reduced it back. But I'm not, I, I know somebody that was in the training and, she, and he said, yeah, but to get through is really like you had to do integrity files. They made it harder, a different way. Interesting. Interesting. I, I'm sorry. What are integrity files? Well, they came and this was part of this corporate culture. We had to do oh. integrity files, like share where 
we were being um, assholes basically toward Landmark, toward other people, like get really, really drilled down straight with where we were being assholes in our lives. And um, it had to be delivered in a particular way. This is when I went, I started to go off. I can see why. This sounds disturbingly strange. Yeah. So I started, I was on a warning for a year. The, we had um, one of our, one of my centre managers, there were like 14, over the course of two years and a quarter, there were 14 different people that came through on staff. It was one person, two weeks, another, I was like a a long-termer. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. So because it was interesting, they couldn't fire people because they people would go to get legal advice. So they would have to wean people out and have ex-staff think, see what they'd done wrong so that they wouldn't complain. The the part-time staff person, there was one part-time staff person, she went to the um, government agency for unemployment benefits afterwards. And in the on the box where it says part-time how many hours, she wrote 40. And the people at the, um, what we call the doll office, unemployment office, said, what do you mean 40? This is part-time. Did you tick the wrong box? And she said, no, I was paid part-time for 40 hours a week. She, I know there was some legal action taken. She was escorted out of the office by the centre manager to make sure she didn't steal anything because she was a traitor. Of course she was. She wanted to get paid for more than part-time work. And I think, yeah, how dare she? And I think there was, I think she was paid back. But the thing was, nobody, nothing else changed for anybody else. None of the other part-timers had any compensation. Us as full-timers, there was no question. We weren't allowed to tell our salaries to other staff people. Oh, there was a specific rule against that. Yeah. Right. We could not. No, we were not allowed to say our salary to people. Right. Because that's the great equalizer. The last thing corporate ever wants in any corporate environment is for the staff to know what each other are getting paid. Although, mm-hmm. and this is this big cultural thing in America, you, you, it's none of your business, you can't know or anything. I'll tell you, man, it is empowering when a whole office finds out what everybody else is getting paid for what, everybody goes, oh, really? And then, like all <laughs> kinds of secrets come brewing to the top. I'll tell you, it is, it's, it's, uh, there's some pieces of information that we think of and we don't really think about it too much, you know, and if you think about it a little bit, like this business of everybody's salaries are confidential, you find out there's only one group of folks that actually helps out. And that's the guys mm-hmm. at the top. It doesn't help any of us out to not know that, you know. Anyway, I, I digress. Please carry on. Yeah, well, no, and it's, it's like it's not about the salary. This is about making a huge difference on the planet. This is about transforming the, the planet. There's this, this. That statistic didn't matter. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Been in that headspace. I totally get it. I mean, it's so easy to be the armchair critic on this stuff because when you're living it, it's not this crystal clear at all. It's not It's not at all clear. All the no. lines are squiggly and vague and everything looks really kind of weird. And you're in the middle yeah. of it and you don't know what's right and wrong. And when the, And when the group pressure is you're the one who's wrong, it's real easy to buy into that. 
and there were scapegoats all the time. We, right. It was interesting. We had an amnesty because the centres weren't performing well. It was quite, it was really funny, actually. Um, I had left a manual in a taxi about three days before, and I didn't know how I was going to tell my, I think it was almost a fireable offence. I would have had to leave in shame. So then I heard that the um, regional manager declared an amnesty to find out what was going on in all of these centres that weren't meeting their statistics. So, you know, I got in, I'm like, oh, I smoked marijuana at a party last week. Don't do that. All right, I won't. Um, and I left the manual, you know, the, the communication manual, I left that in a taxi and I've called them and I can't get it back. And they freaked. They're just like looking in the cupboard. You left the manual? Yeah, left the manual in a taxi. So that's out there wondering. One of the other staff person had forged a wellbeing document. So there's a whole wellbeing procedure. Um, I didn't really answer your question before about how um, centres are managed when people are going off, but there was a whole wellbeing procedure. Anybody that had had psychotic issues or um, had psychiatric care to, for them to participate in, there was a call to the states. We had to go through tick boxes, get doctor's certificates, um, keep an eye on them, um, just make sure they participated in a way that was satisfactory, didn't freak out. Um, so yeah, what, so this was that an was that in any way an effort at damage control on the on the suicides? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there was yeah. something done to try to. Oh yeah, at least were... prequal people. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, not with me, but me personally. But I know it like depended on how bad people were. If they were, yeah, if they were, I, I'm imagining if they could detect if people were leaning towards getting professional advice or seeking external um, advice, then they would go to get the regional manager or the you know, the um, psychologist that was employed by Landmark to have a chat with them. So, yeah, there were ways to control the damage. So, so with the amnesty, so it turned out people had forged documents, they had... Um, forged class list. One person had forged a class list to meet her statistics and you know, nobody showed up. It was just, it was crazy, but it was a real relief. I think it was the first time that people were actually honest with what was going on because there was going to be no consequences to our actions. So that we all got to share about what we were doing. It was quite funny. Um, so with the weirdness, there was one time there were these events called the special evening about the landmark forum. So with the 52 forum leaders, they would generally do particular regions. Um, so some would stay in India, New Zealand, Australia. Most others did just the States and Canada, some did Europe. There were a couple of Americans that really liked Australia, so they would um, fly over and um, deal with having no sleep, having to lead a forum, go back. Like, same just one guy was taking pills. <laughs> it was crazy, the pressure that they were under as well. Um, so there was an event in Sydney where a woman was getting ready to go to um, a special evening about the Landmark Forum, and her partner poured petrol on her and set her alight to stop her from going. So that was like massive shutdown. We had the whole, all the centres around Australia. We had to deal, we had to 
Um, we had a format to how to deal with media if anybody called, what to say, where to direct people. So, yeah, there were practices in place to deal with these unusual events that seemed to happen. One guy in the States was found to be um, inappropriately touching people as a coach. So then a policy came through. It's like, okay, so now we do not touch people. We are not allowed to physically touch people. We need to touch, move, and inspire people through our communication. If you see anybody touching anybody, then intervene. So it was a quite, like quite radical measures were met to counteract the craziness. Right. And, of course, it's a little hard to show compassion and empathy for somebody without somehow touching them sometimes i mean that's it's an interesting rule uh mm. but i get it i get it when you don't have anything else that it's 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 interesting i'm just so fascinated by it so interesting all of the um there's just so many comparisons it's it really is in many many ways scientology light mm -hmm. in, a, in a lot of ways you know because yeah. like for example you guys have this amnesty and you write and you wrote down what you were doing wrong or you told no, somebody it was all verbal all, all verbal. verbal okay see we had amnesties <laughs> in scientology i think the last one was when the irs victory happened back in 93 they haven't done an amnesty since then but um but what you do have right you mentioned you know they're trying to figure out why the statistics aren't being met why the quotas aren't being hit they're trying to figure out what's going on and they're going to decide that the way to do that is to go into everybody's personal space and find out what they're up to and what they're not being or whatever, like you mentioned before. And what have you been doing that is getting in the way of this, right? Because yes. we know that the, the basic cause of this problem is you and, and your wrongdoing, your, more, your, your, immoral, you know, your immoral actions or whatever. In Scientology, those are called overts. Same thrust, though, right, which is we're going to get we're going to we're going to root that out. By getting you to confess or give it up or talk or whatever, they don't use the word confess, and then that's going to free things up and your space will be cleared out and your flows will be open. This is this would be how they would say it in Scientology, and and they would make you though instead of talking about it, they would make you write it down, and this is called mm -hmm. an overt withhold write up, and this is done all the time, sometimes weekly, in Scientology. For you, it was an exceptional event. In Scientology, it's a regular event. Mm, it it was exceptional. It was quite funny. We, right. So we didn't we didn't write much down. Right. The the information was stored in memory. I can see which, why in a business environment you would want to do it that way. Yeah. Yeah, right. but it was very much, so what's going on with you? Who are you out of communication with? Have you not paid a fine? Go and sort it out and yep. come back. Clear it up, come back and be on purpose. Right. Because, on yeah, purpose. Some, I mean, there it is. Some, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> all, yeah, it's very much like what you said. You're the error here. Sort it out. That's right. And there was nothing to do with landmark, of course. Exactly. And this all comes back down to just, uh, you know, in case uh, you guys didn't know this, this is this is literally a lot, the, probably the most common logical fallacy in the world. It is called a fundamental attribution error 
where you basically assume it is the individual and the individual's motives and the individual's himself and his intentions that are in error here and not circumstantial situational factors. You ignore the situational factors. You only look at the individual and, you know, the guy cut you off in traffic because he's a jerk, not because he's late running to the hospital because his wife is having a baby. Mm-hmm. He's just a jerk. It's it's individual. It's to him. It's the assumption we all make every single day. We make hundreds of these fundamental attribution errors because we can't see the circumstances surrounding the person. We right. can only see the person. And mm-hmm. our idea of what that person must be thinking to do that horrible thing they just did, cutting me off in traffic, so it must be their evil intentions that are forcing them to cut me off in traffic and not the situational scene that I don't know anything about, right? And we do this all the time. So it's so interesting to see it taken to such an extreme in an organizational situation with Scientology or with Form or something where they push this fundamental attribution error down the line as though this Mm -hmm. is always the solution to the problem, you know, when it's actually a logical fallacy, (laughs) And then it'd be the leaders would come through, like the center managers, the regional managers would come through with this huge breakthrough that they'd had. And now they were meeting all these statistics because they got straight with themselves. So we just have to get straight with ourselves. And then magic occurs. And then relationships start to flourish and you'll meet the targets. Same, same, same. I I have (laughs) so know what you're talking about. So then what happened? <laughs> um, so then I started to really question what I was getting. Well, well, on my warning, I had um, to get off my warning. I had I think something like six measures to meet. And then I would be cleared of it. So being on a warning meant that I wasn't bonusable. I mean, the bonuses were not huge anyway. I only ever had in that time one bonus. Um, the rest of the time, we were just so off track. Our centre, little Hicksville, was so off track most of the time. that It was just breakdowns, breakdowns all the time. Um, so um, I had six statist- statistical measures to meet. I met five of them, and the sixth one I missed by 0.6%. So I didn't come off my warning. Nope. And Sorry. That I, yeah, nope. so that was it. I was like out of there I'm like there's just this is ridiculous and I had I ended up I became a self-expression and leadership program leader and I had an integrity file to deliver and I delivered it one minute late so the thing was for me I didn't I very much relate to how Leah Remini related to Scientology it's like this is the way it has to be and yet there were people that were getting off the hook. And there was somebody on staff when I was there. She was sleeping with guys to get her team filled. That was the degree she went to. Oh, damn, man. Come but, on. You know, oh. and like, everybody knew, but nobody talked about it. It was like, oh, yeah, we don't know. She's getting her team filled, even the center manager. So it seemed like I wanted to go buy the book because – you know, I wanted this structure did work if it worked. And if it didn't, I didn't want to have to, how I saw it, just crawl up to a leader and tell them all my circumstances. It's just like, no, okay, I lost, all right. And I don't want to play anymore. I lost 
all of my enthusiasm. And then came the process for how do I leave? Like, and everything started to flourish, but come back. Like I was successful before this. Now I'm, I've kind of, I've lost my confidence. I am in doubt. I spend most of my time in my head, concerned and worried. I don't, when I looked around, I didn't really have many, I, I had probably two friends outside Landmark. I mean, I didn't meet them very often because I was just always talking about Landmark. And I started to see the people in the space and listen to the same things being regurgitated over and over again. And people claiming Landmark was the reason for their success. And I'm like, but it's not, it's you. You're the one who said that landmark didn't say anything. You did that. And I I got um I like I went to the center manager and I said, look, I'm thinking of resigning. And then it took me one year to leave because I was stuck. I'm like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I don't what and she said, You'll shrink if you leave. Transform yourself. And I was like, mm. I was this the new center manager that came through. Um, one of my, the centre manager prior was, um, she got quite ill. She started to lose her eyesight. She suffered for about a year trying to get out. So I could see some tracks that um, I, I was like, I'm not really excited by this. So it took a while for them to replace her. They replaced her with a hotshot lawyer from Sydney. She she couldn't believe the salary. She was like on a very high salary in Sydney. She was like high flyer, um, you know, the best clothes. And um, when she saw the salary to be on staff, it took a while for her to come over. And when she did, um, she wanted to make all these huge. It was like a massive clean out. She ended up being on a warning. She said she was going to be a landmark for later. It's just like there was. I, there was no, wasn't really any leadership. So I was just like, I eventually left and came to Melbourne. My friends spent some time with my family. And what I did was went back. I, I heard about a reviewers forum for the Landmark Forum. So I went in and I did a reviewers forum. I thought with everybody there, everybody can talk and be open about what's been happening. Um, and I left that course with um, course supervisor packet, a sex and intimacy packet, an advanced course packet, and I reviewed the introduction leaders program. So that meant I was back there. I had a full-time job and I was still back there every night of the week. Um, what, but what I saw out of that was I saw myself as a failure and I needed to somehow establish myself as um, competent and with the course supervisor program, it's the one course I actually really loved because I was around the courses and the leaders and the content um, for long periods of time. As a course supervisor, we would prepare six weeks before the course. Um, I organized the teams. We'd been there an hour earlier, an hour later, um, and then debrief. And it was kind of like it was start middle end it was over I could go back to my not take what I'd learned into my real life and then I had like six courses in the first year for the second and I came out of that competent and then I closed the door I was successful I could actually do something really well in organizing teams and events um, I got 
all the core supervisor programs are scored, so you get scored on how to manage events, how to manage people, how to manage circumstances, the course leader support, the, the um, sound. And then on one, I got 96%. I was just like, Phew. okay, I'm kind of back. Now I can go and face the real world. And then I closed the door and haven't been back. Okay. So okay. That, was, that was my path. And yeah, and I started to listen to ex-Scientology stuff. <laughs> I contacted Jeff Hawkins. I'm like, I don't know if you know anything about Landmark, but what happened with Werner Earhart, I needed to make sense of where this came from and how it started. And I got that through ex-Scientologists. Jeff Hawkins suggested that I um, look for a PTD, PS, PTSD specialist and go and talk about what had happened. And that was the best thing. That was massive. It was really awesome because there was nobody that had left Landmark that I could talk Well, one person I could talk with, but she hadn't been at the same leadership capacity as me. Right. So it made it difficult. And I just, I still can't find anybody that's been on staff that's willing to talk. So this opportunity, Chris, <laughs> has been huge. It's like finally somebody will actually be able to get what I'm saying, put it into some context, and I can leave it behind. Right. I just want to, it's like, it's over now. Excellent. Well, I thank you very much for taking all this time to share all this with me and my audience. I know from my own experience, so I can empathize as much as I can here, how difficult it is to talk about, you know, our personal lives and how ugly sometimes those lives can be and the struggles that we go through. It's not everybody who can step up and share uh, their story with the world. So thank you very much for for reaching out to me, for taking the time to do this, because I, I didn't know you existed until you reached out to me. And it was, and I, I was very happy that you did, because this is a story, this subject matter is a story I've been wanting to tell for a long time. And I, I wanted somebody who knew what they were talking about. So you have been in the ups and downs of it and can speak intelligently about both ends of that. And I, I'm glad that you were willing to do so. Thank you. So um, I and I do want to leave it as an opening with people that particularly particularly people that have been leaders at Landmark because that's where the real head fuckery starts. Exactly. That's yeah. You know, I'm trying to work out what it is that happens, and it is like we, the brain gets downloaded with their intellectual property. So it's like I became the property of these corporation because we're not we're told not to use this their work in a corporate environment it's like there's whole boxes and ticks that you need to go through if you want to use any of this stuff you have to bring everybody into landmark so it's like i became the property and now i'm so wary i'm just so cautious my antennas out for where somebody wants to take control of me and I'm it's affected obviously it's affected me to such a degree that I'm kind of in a way a bit of a loner in how I approach um new this whole community thing that's happening it's like I'm just really really wary with how I participate now so this would explain why <laughs> well you know it does and it's and it's really quite something and quite uh horrible actually in a way that you do 
you've spent money, you've spent years of your time, uh, like I did as a staff member, working for this group, thinking you had this wonderful, awesome experience. You want other people to have the same gains and knowledge you experienced or got because you think it was so miraculous and amazing. And uh, and I'm not even trying to poo-poo it as it wasn't miraculous and amazing, your forum experience, your reaching out to your mother, your father, etc., you know, those are things that that all people have in common that they get that they that they all can kind of hit on, which is that they have regrets and they mm-hmm. need to fix them. You know, but you mentioned earlier how you know corporate or staff doesn't apply or do what what the rest of the program is. That's right. And I wonder if maybe. I wanted to ask you about this, and I don't mean to be a smartass. I'm I'm actually asking, like, maybe they use it too much. You know, if the only corrective measure that this or, that this organization yeah. has is you, what's you? What you know that whole fundamental attribution error we were just talking about. If that is the extent of their ability to correct somebody, then how much do they really understand people? But more importantly, how much do they really understand groups? Because groups are not people. And groups are made up of people, but groups have emergent properties. There are things that groups do that are different than what people do. And if you're going to manage groups of people, you got to understand that. That's why we have a a subject called sociology. (laughs) It's a whole different subject from psychology. Right? And this is where Scientology breaks down, too, because their corporate structure is this invented fantasy of nonsense. That doesn't work, and I've you know, and I've, I've broken that all down. But it sounds like the forum guys, as a business consultation group, seem to have their head really whack on how to actually run a corporation, which is yes. so fascinating to me. You know, yes. to, you know, so it's all about personal transformation, but but their ability to cohese into something that actually is productive, functioning, useful. To the people in the who are world. part of it, yeah, in the, in the world, world. In the That's outside right. of their own little bubble, exactly. Yes, and, th- and that tells you that they really don't have a lock on how people work, and they really don't get correct what this is all about. Because you you can't know everything about people and know nothing about groups, but at the same time, if this is all you've got is the people stuff then you're going to fail at the groups and this is this is their this is their most basic failure it seems from what we've been talking about here and they get and here's what unfortunately happens in these groups is then they start facing the real problems of the world like suicide people blowing up right you know this guy depression yeah the medical well-being well-being issues Exactly. All the real world stuff, all the real baggage that people come in with. Finances as well. There was nothing about how to manage money. Right. Right. Because it's you. It's not your money. It's you. Right. Because if we got to fix you and then you will somehow magically fix your money because you don't need to know about that. You just need to know about you and your beingness and stuff. Right. The money seminar. I did it twice. And it <laughs> is that money money is an energy. Right out of Scientology. This is, corp- man. <laughs> this is a corporation that is like managing every penny, boiling it down to statistics, and money yeah. is an energy. The contradictions were just became so vast. 
and you know wikipedia coming out they had um it was under landmark was under controversy for around five years it had a red banner on it they've now got with the internet program and they've started to get their um profile up higher but it's still you know third or fourth it's a cult network awareness that's chasing them they can't shake it off that's so right. you might like I said right at the very beginning, is maybe this interview will provide some answers to the people at Landmark, really. This is, you said about, you know, you can't deal with something if you're pretending it doesn't exist, like the conversation people don't know about Scientology that exists in the outside world, and yet you're being trained to kind of enrol people and manage people. It's like the same thing's happening for Landmark is how I see it at a larger scale. I agree. I I know of people that have produced results and become successful, quite celebrities, that don't want anything to do with Landmark. They don't want their name associated with it. Exactly. And these are the the reasons we've talked about are the reasons why. These are not incorrectable. These are not unmanageable problems. With competent leadership, these things can be dealt with in such a way that they don't persecute their individual members or drive them into some introversion about how awful and evil they are, and that's the reason why they're not hitting their quotas. You know, there are sensible ways of dealing with this stuff without having to get into the weird culty stuff. And I'm, you know, and I'm not going to sit here and accuse Landmark Forum of being a destructive cult because I think this is actually a fairly nuanced situation, and I think that there are levels to this. And to say that the that the that the forum workshop is is culty, in a way, from a certain long term point of view, it is. But in and of itself, it's a it's a severe reality adjustment. It's a slap in the face to people who show up there to say, "Hey, get your life in order, bud," yes. because it's not in order, and and you're lying yes. to yourself about certain parts of it. And the fact of the matter is that the human condition is that we do lie to ourselves about all kinds of things That's- all the time. You know, so of Absolutely. course it's going to indicate to people and they're going to have this, you know, somebody's actually telling them things that they're not hearing on Oprah or Dr. Phil and it's live and it's distraction free and they can't just get up and walk out of the room and go to the bathroom because there's rules against that. And so they have to sit there and be a captive audience and they agree to do that and they get slapped around and they go, damn, I'm glad somebody slapped me around. Yeah. Great. That's not the cult part. You know, as I think we've made, as we've as we've shown here, it's actually as you continue to progress in and supposedly up, but really you're going deeper into a control system that doesn't really understand itself or what it's doing. And that's what I find interesting about this is it is it doesn't even understand its own origins. You know, it's lying, lying to itself. Yeah, exactly. It's lying to itself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah? And and the dichotomy as well. I think what happens with a lot of people that get more supposedly skilled with landmarks, they become little psychologists. Right. Yeah. That's right. And and it's that's the what's being taught is to look at what happened. This this is the inquiry. What happened in your life that had you react that way? Yet as a staff person, it was who are you being? Right. It's like I'm not qualified. I'm not a psychologist to go into that level, but if you had bring the what happened into that domain, I can share what happened 
And then it would start to unravel. Oh, that's why I did that. But it was the inquiry was, um, it's psychological and it doesn't work. People think that they're more skilled than they're not in a realm that's quite dangerous. That's exactly you know, right. That's right. And it's going out and start um, counselling other people. And then the, this other thing about, so the leaders, because it becomes bottlenecked, there's actually no room for growth. Looking statistically, the architecture or the positions that are held are not moving. And it's some people have been in there for 20 years. They're not moving to allow new people to grow through. Right. So it's a con that contradiction. There's lies. There's lies in place. And as a corporate, they need to come to terms with what, like just a massive survey. What is your true experience of Landmark? And let people talk. Exactly. Without consequence. An amnesty, a global amnesty. Since 2020, where is that vision now? That's they right. Cut, they dropped the vision. They dropped of it. They, of course they did. It wasn't working. Yeah. They weren't going to hit uh -huh. it. And so we just kind of silently retire that with, you know, with nothing else said about it. And uh, and we'll just let that quietly die away. As, right, because no, there's know. nobody to talk about it. So, you know, they can do that. Exactly. Well, let's get people talking. <laughs> exactly. And that's the thing, you know, is, um, you know, if these guys don't want to be called a cult, they don't want to be, you know, dealt with that way, then open up, be, be more transparent, be more communicative, not less. That's always, always, always the advice, right? And of course, that is their advice at the lower that's levels. Right. Because that's guess exactly what? It. That's the advice that works, because that's what hooks that's people right. as we went over, right? So maybe, and right. so, so exactly. So actually, you were 1,000% right. They are just not doing their own stuff at the top, you know, with that's themselves right. as an organization, you know. That's and right. And that's, that's where we're at. I wanted to end this. I thought you would um, be amused by this. I thought this was something I never had an, a chance to really talk about otherwise. And um, that is uh, how Scientology deals with people who come into it from oh, the Oh, yes. I really want to know about this. Yes, yes. Okay, good. Because I think people are going to be interested in this. And like I said, it's such minutia. I, there really hasn't been another forum for me, another forum for me to uh, talk about this in. Okay, and there are two bulletins that, Hub, that Hubbard did not write that were written with his name on them. They came out in 1989. Hubbard died in, uh, what, 86? So, you know, yeah, sure, he wrote these. Uh, no, he did not. But what it says, I'm just going to go through the intro here. There is, okay, in Scientology, you have auditing, the counseling with the e-meter, right? And people go in for auditing, and they go up the bridge through all these various services. But sometimes there are what are called repair lists, pre-prepared lists of questions that are asked on an e-meter in, in a formal auditing session to address problems or potential problems the person has. The person has asked the question on the meter. If the meter needle moves in response to the question, then it is taken up. If it is not moving, then we don't care what you have to say about that question it's not reading. We're not going to take it up. That's how it. That's how it's dealt with in Scientology. Is the meter is the thing that determines what you're going to run in a session. Um, there is an auditing repair list for people from Est. That's literally what it's called: auditing repair Listen. list for people from Est. And what are the questions? I'm gonna. I'm gonna tell you. Uh, so here we go. 
Persons who have been in Est sometimes turn up in missions and orgs. It is necessary to undo the case damage before the person can be processed in Scientology and get lasting case gain. Case gain is what you call it when you make improvements in your auditing. The, the, the auditing is addressing your case, the accumulation of crap that you're carrying around with you. It's, um, it's just a word to describe the, all your bullshit, right? All your trauma and stress and everything. And to get case gain in Scientology is to have wins, is to be moving forward. But the, the statement here is that you can't get lasting case gain until we repair your EST experience. Right. Uh, EST, an acronym for Earhart Seminars Training, was an offbeat activity which made a squirrel use of parts of the technologies of Dianetics and Scientology. Okay, so squirrels in Scientology are people who take little bits and pieces of it and run off out out in the world and use it, and they don't attribute it to L. Ron Hubbard, and they don't call it Scientology. And so L. Ron Hubbard's solution to that was to call them squirrels. Because they're nutty, and they run around, and they don't really know what they're doing. Okay, okay, so that's why he called them squirrels. And uh, what they did, what's written here, what they did was take some early Scientology materials and alter them. They later told people they didn't know where Est came from. The real trouble with Est is that it messes up cases. For example, their squirrel processes sometimes bring about forcible exteriorization, out-of-body experiences. But they don't have any tech to repair that. Uh, I'm I'm skipping over a little terminology here. Covert and overt evaluation are rampant in EST. And some former EST cases have had implants re-stimulated by EST's psychiatrist-like use of evaluation and invalidation. Additionally, they confuse people with false data. One of the falsest data is that they make it appear that some of the basics they use are their own discoveries or developments when in fact these basics are altered from Scientology. So the purpose of this list is to repair case damage from a person's involvement with EST. But get this. Before they can do this EST repair list on you, you first have to get the second bulletin applied to you. And the second bulletin is a confessional. (laughs) So they're going to sec check you first because they don't really trust you. Uh, Scientology is all about paranoia from plants, people who are planted into Scientology to spy on it. And they are convinced that, you know, psychiatry and the government and groups like EST or the Forum are all about taking Scientology down. So the first thing they have to do is they have to ask you sharp and pointed questions again on the e-meter, watching the meter to see if the needle moves. And if it does, that means you're guilty. That means something's up. And we're going to ask you about this. And here are the questions they're going to ask you. The first question, are you intimately connected with persons of known antagonism to mental or spiritual treatment or Scientology? Uh, Then two, in this lifetime. And that that question, by the way, has to produce what's called a floating needle on the e-meter before you can move on from it. So if there's any lingering attention on anything with that question... 
they're going to be asking you about it. Then the next question in this lifetime, do you have a criminal record? Have you or any member of your immediate family ever sued or threatened to sue or embarrass or attack Scientology? Have you or any member of your immediate family ever publicly attacked Scientology? I mean, you see, this is all about Scientology. This guy comes in here wanting to Mm -hmm. do Scientology, and the first thing they're going to do is, you know, interrogate him about whether he's antagonistic to Scientology. Um, Have you or any member of your immediate family ever been party to an attack on Scientology? Do you feel that some Dianetics or Scientology book or auditor is responsible for any bad condition you are in? Are you being audited because someone else wanted you to be audited? Kind of similar to that question about are you pressured to be here. In the, in the forum seminar, they just make people stand up and then sit down when they've questioned them. Here, you're going to get interrogated on the e-meter about it. Uh, do you want to be processed only to see if Scientology works? Do you feel that some person should be helped at the expense of the organization? Uh, do you believe that no person or thing can really get better? Are you here for some other reason than what you've said? I'm just skipping over some of the questions now. Uh, Were you sent here to get data for someone else? Uh, Have you been sent here as a plant to get tech data? Are you still connected to EST in any way? Are you currently connected in some way to Warner Earhart or any of his organizations or associates? And then a whole series of questions about whether you lied in the course of the confessional. So first you have to run that gauntlet. Then you get the actual repair list. And the question on the repair list are, there's some crazy Scientology technical stuff that I can't even get into, but I'm going to skim through some of the questions that you'll be asked. These questions do not need to produce a floating needle when asked. They're just asked, and if there's a read, if there's a response, then they'll take it up. Um, you know, in est, were you forcibly exteriorized, right? Again, out-of-body experience. Um, in est, as a result of your involvement in, oh, uh, the, the technical, technical, technical stuff. Um, in est, did you have a problem? Did you still have a problem after you left est? Was est a problem to you? In est, did you have a withhold? Were you run on an est process over a problem? Were you run on, a, on an est process over a withhold? Were you run on an est process over protest? Were you made to do something in est you didn't want to do? Were you run on an est process over a misunderstood? In other words, was there something you didn't understand about what was happening? Um, is there anything about your involvement with est that I shouldn't find out about? <laughs> Right? In S, did you commit an overt? So they're still looking for overt type stuff too, right? Have you used S for some unworthy motive? In S, did you do anything that harmed or upset another? Uh, in S, were you forced to withhold something? Did you go back to S after you had received Dynetics or Scientology training or processing? In S, were you involved in any unethical sexual activity? Were you forced to enroll in EST training? Were you forced to bring guests to EST? In EST, was there any invalidation? In EST, were you called obscene names? Regarding your involvement in EST, has there been any invalidation? In EST, did anyone invalidate your beingness? In EST, were you ridiculed in front of the group? In EST, were you belittled? In EST, were you told your life was meaningless? (laughs) 
right? So just endless numbers of questions, you know, based obviously around the EST experience to try to get the person to relieve themselves of any upset, concerns, trauma, whatever connected with EST. And lest we all think that this is a very nice thing to do, let's remember this is Scientology doing it. So, you know, this is jumping out of the frying pan into the fire getting this stuff. So, yes. they'll, you know, they'll give you a chance to download about your EST experience so long as you now conform with Scientology's expectations of how things are going to be. So I thought you might find that relatively interesting. Man, if they jump through those hoops, let them go. Yeah. Do, do you know, do you have any idea of the number of people that did transition from S to Scientology? Is there in any the, number? Yeah, in the whole time I was involved, I ran across three or four people who had been involved in EST or later form. Um, I uh, I remember my parents kind of laughing about it in the 70s when EST was was kind of a bigger thing as EST. Um, yeah. it, was, it was ridiculed in a movie. My parents, uh, my parents laughed about that. You know, some guy couldn't leave to go to the bathroom and got stuck in there and, you know, ha-ha. It was, this was very funny. Um, so, yeah, that's been my – I've had very, very light experience with the whole thing. The, um, the scient- one of the Scientologists who first employed me in Minnesota after I left the Sea Org uh, had done the forum. And had because she had um, heard about it through Lululemon, I think, and had gone. And yeah, done. yeah, that was big. That was yeah, big. they were huge on it. And yeah. she had to do some comeuppance in Scientology because then she got involved in Scientology. And she had to do that stuff to get, you know, fixed before she could do her Scientology stuff. So, And did she, did she stick with Scientology? She did. Yeah. She ended up firing me and kicking me out because I was a, you know, bad element. Whoa. Because I, I started bucking the system in Scientology, right? And she couldn't have that out of one of her employees, right? I mean, she gave me some other reason, but I'm convinced the church told her to fire me. So good times. <laughs> it's crazy. It's just it? human. This human experience is Isn't just <laughs> crazy. It but is. At, at the same time, it's still wonderful. I mean, there's so much more to learn. And I think, well, I know from my experience at Landmark, I can see now how important culture and the growth of communities and organizations and groups, it's getting really strong now. And people are like wanting to connect. So if this conversation can provide some warning signs or things to ask for, then awesome, really. I think the the power the power is in the individual when we learn to be self-aware and start thinking critically, asking the right questions and not needing these organizations to ex- to exist, then um We'll be in a better place. I, yeah. I could not agree more. I, I and I and we just need organizations. We need people to stop trying to take advantage of people. Yes, you know? the corruption. It, is it really so to, much yes. to ask for? You know. Okay. Yeah. How now? Let's say we are. Let's say there's somebody watching this thing and they've done the three hour tour. I mean, we have done an extensive oh my review God. here, and the it's awesome. I'm I'm totally happy with what we have done here. I wanted to do a long-form interview, and we did one. But now how can people reach you if they want to talk to you about this? Uh, Twitter is my evil. 
I'm mad in Melbourne. And that's where I'm contactable. I, I just, just for convenience, it's like the easiest way to connect with people, DMs and sending messages. Um, so do it that way. And otherwise, I don't really want to give up my email address. It just gets too overwhelming. So nope. if you don't have so a, a Twitter account, yeah, don't have a Twitter account. Sorry, you're going to have to get one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Well, you know, if people are motivated to try to reach out to you, then I'm sure they can sign up for Twitter and, and hook up with you. Yeah. And, then, and then, you know, yeah, further and then correspondence can occur from there, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, Dale, thank you again for everything you've done here today and for taking the time to speak up. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Can I just see what your T-shirt says? Oh, I've got yes, this stupidity looking at me. Together we can find the cure. Awesome. I just like these little bits of stupidity. For kind of, I'm like, what's this arresting? I love your t-shirts. Your t-shirts are awesome. <laughs> thank you. They're thank really you cool. Yeah, ways to communicate. Okay, Chris, thank you. Thank you very, very much. You're very welcome. And folks out there, any questions, comments, or feedback, good, bad, or sideways, leave it in the comment section here at YouTube or at sensiblyspeaking.com. I would very much like to hear from you guys. And um, and if you're going to be critical of what we're talking about here, please at least be respectful enough that we'll want to listen to what you have to say by not being insulting. Uh, I don't think that's too much to ask. And I understand that social media is the wild, wild west and all of that. But we're the ones who create that. So let's create something better. And on that note, I will say goodbye, everybody. See you next week. Talk at you later. Bye-bye.